The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Norton, and you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your host, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy Josh Smith. On today's show, we'll be doing some fancy booking, answering your questions, and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Wrestling Tea store, wrestlingtees.com. Slash social suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style T-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com/slash/donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations, and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. Visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. Listen, guys, if you're not using that NJPW extension, um... I don't know what to tell you because that literally does take New Japan World to the next level, just like Jeremy just said. And I, I use it all the time. I find it to be so helpful in so many different ways. I mean, the translations are better. The layout is better. The added features. Like, I don't know why New Japan's not paying this man Danny. That's what I'm wondering. Seriously, yeah. They should uh, get Danny on the payroll, man. Get him it's fully integrated into uh, New Japan World. They need to CTC. Cut the check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. No, for real, though. The work he does is awesome. We're, we're so happy to be uh, partnered with him. And you can find our show, you know, amongst all the different, uh, you know, listening methods and ways. We're featured there prominently every single week. So really happy with this, uh, you know, partnership. And, uh, yeah, I love the extension, especially now since – and I think I mentioned it last week, just like being quarantined. Like, you know, uh, I think we got some plans here in the near, near future to be doing like – you know, possibly like a viewing party, something like that. And, you know, the shared playlists and, and, you know, viewing parties, things like those features make it possible when you have the extension. If you don't have the extension, you can't do that crap. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, you guys have been giving us tons of suggestions and ideas and a lot of people have been suggesting like watch alongs and watch parties. So we hear your idea, guys, we're trying to, you know, collect all the ideas and just trying to do what we can do uh, reasonably during this time. Um, I know you guys want a lot of like retro and history stuff, so uh, we're taking all that under consideration and kind of planning out our shows as 
Um, you know, we need stuff to talk about with uh, New Japan not being active right now. So thank you all for the suggestions. Well, thank you for the suggestions. One person I don't want to thank, one person I want to chastise right now is uh, our very own Jerry, Jeremy Donovan. Because, Jeremy, I bought you a history book earlier this year for Christmas. And I believe you have still, as of yet, to read the book. And, uh, you know, now, now, lo and behold, New Japan is sidelined. And I could really have used your help with some of these history questions, but you're not reading. I'm slacking, man. I got to do, do, do some Hindu <laughs> squats. Well, you know, now I guess it's a perfect time to, you know, crack open the book, you know. With, now, uh, now's the perfect time to do the Hindu squats, too. Get your uh, your uh, COVID-19 body ready. Seriously, yeah, because uh, right now it's just been, uh, you know, hibernation style. Just just and not not much working out. <laughs> yeah, man. And... I don't know what we're going to do. Gyms are all shut down. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, And for uh, today's show, so we got a suggestion from uh, the host of All Things Elite right here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, Floyd Johnson Jr. And he kind of challenged us, threw it out there. He wanted us to come up with a fantasy AEW versus NJPW card. So that's what we're going to do a little bit later on the show. Each young boy and I have our own cards, and then uh, Floyd and his team, they will come up with their own cards, and then we're going to throw it out to voting to see who has the best uh, card. And for those of you that are listening and thinking to yourselves, oh, my God, I don't want to listen to a show about AW, stick around. We've got the news. We've got, uh, you know, listeners' questions and plenty of New Japan-centered discussion, and trust me, I have I haven't looked at Jeremy's card. He hasn't heard my card yet, but I have a strong feeling that these are going to be some uh, some pro centric cards. So uh, I I am looking forward to this. I just wish AEW had a better roster, more talent, so that I could have a better card. But you know, AEW be slacking out there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say the hardest thing about putting this these cards together was AEW has a very strong tag team division. Their roster is tag team heavy. And right. then you look at New Japan's roster, it's singles heavy. And so well, that that's true, but it's not even just that. Like, you know, both both companies uh have a strong uh focus on factions and groups, but the majority of the groups in uh AEW, as you started to mention, were like tag teams and very strong emphasis on trios. Like there's about three major big factions, but they're you know, two of them are filled with stars. So once you start compiling like a a, a show that has those stars, you're going to have to break. You, you don't want to do, say, Bullet Club versus the Elite and just throw away all the top stars. And then then you don't have a, a show to do. You know what I mean? So right. it, it is it is difficult. I was thinking at first, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I'll, I'll I'll throw like a death triangle. And then, and then, and then you start thinking about it. You're like, oh, well, the groups that New Japan has are like five, six, seven, eight members. And then the groups they have are they're like, two three members something like that so it's kind of different yeah so we'll get to that in a second we're going to start off with the news and then jump into questions and then the the fantasy booking will be our our main event of the evening um so first thing in the news um just released you know yesterday that secure genesis and the road to wrestling dontaku on april 11th are canceled also due to sideline, yes, yeah, sideline. Also due to COVID nineteen, uh, the coronavirus. So, you know, we were a lot of us were kind of holding out hope there, especially with a lot of other um, Japan shows starting to run and have fans that possibly there would be Secure Genesis, and we would kind of 
start to get some New Japan back again, but um, it seems like New Japan kind of doing the, the wise thing here and just kind of holding off and putting the health of their performers and the fans first and holding off here. The real question here is with no actual New Japan matches taking place in the month of uh, March, I think by default we have to go to matches that happen outside of New Japan that involve New Japan contracted talent. The only one I can think of is this our match of the month? Is Will Ospreay versus B Priestley the March match of the month for keeping it strong style? Wow, it, it, <laughs> it might have to be unless <laughs> unless we count the Kota Bushi Tanahashi arm wrestling match that happened on oh, NJPW yeah. together. Um, I actually did get to watch the uh, I watched the Okada documentary. I don't have enough time to watch Derek Man. You know what? For a company that is act, not actively putting on any shows right now, they're putting a lot of content out yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, and and from what I've seen, uh, I like that documentary a lot. Yeah. Like, I thought it, I thought it was really 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 good. I thought yeah, you that was a great recommend on your half. You know, just tell me to watch that. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. So you know, speaking of that content and NJPW together, they're going to be putting out a lot more content. Obviously, now with Secure Genesis and. The beginning of Road to Wrestling Dantaku being canceled, so there will be a lot more stuff coming. There's going to be a, an evening with Kazuchika Okada and Tiger Hattori. Um and so it's going to be like Okada kind of interviewing Tiger Hattori, and then there's going to be a uh, encyclopedia New Japanica exploring some of the NJPW's greatest moments. And there's also- oh, I love that. Yeah, so that should be fun, and that should. Uh, you know, scratch the itch of a lot of people who want some uh, history content there. You know, that's something I've always sort of uh, wished they would do more of is sort of like highlight some of the historical uh, content that they have and kind of just put things a little bit more in perspective. They're good at, they've been doing a good job with some of that over the past, you know, decade, I suppose. Like, you know, some of the stuff that uh, Kevin Kelly's put out with like the recount and the wire, you know, they've covered stuff that's occurred in the last decade decade and a half but i mean you go back to like the 90s and the 80s and it's very lacking and it's like uh you know the the average new japan fan doesn't know you know if they know the names they haven't seen a lot of content or have a lot of understanding of like inoki choshu fujinami guys like that you know even original tiger mask so like i i'm i'm hoping that they do more to kind of like highlight the historical stuff there because i mean you look at wwe and they're very good at controlling the narrative of their own history. You know what I mean? Right. It, you would almost think that WWE started and ends and begins with Hulk Hogan and WrestleMania and him being the, like, there's nothing before him. Like Hogan beating the iron Sheik is like the birth of Christ. Like <laughs> wow. <laughs> there's, there's nothing before that basically in, in the eyes of Vince McMahon, you know, it, it was all just mud shows and smoky buildings and, and all that and it wasn't sports entertainment but like you know wwe existed you know since like the 50s basically (laughs) didn't you know that uh, hogan had his first match in wwe yeah yeah apparently (laughs) vince mcmahon Uh, created hulkamania and the two of them they revolutionized wrestling right never mind he was in new japan never mind he was in (laughs) awa but uh you know that like new japan has kind of in over the past uh, I would say like decade, they kind of like allude to their past, but it's really like we were in the dark days. Tanahashi saved us. And there was nothing before that. 
and it's sort of like no nah, there was there was a lot before that it was <laughs> awesome like yeah you know so i i hope that they start to kind of um emphasize some of that earlier stuff as well just because they they had one of the best they've always had one of the best wrestling products at any given time you know even even the uh you know dark days stuff is better than people remember it. a lot of the, you know in a lot of cases yeah, so yeah, I'm definitely down. I hope they have some a lot of great stuff going further back than they normally do. So that should be fun to check out. Um, that also in the beginning of April there will be behind the scenes of Hiromu Takahashi's return to the ring and IWGP Ooh. Championship Glory with a special Get Sports documentary. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean we talked about and last week like Hiromu would be a great person to do a documentary on. Yeah, and you know is that when I say it's awesome, like I'll tell you if I think that sounds kind of crappy, like. Some of the content they put out, it might be good, it might be bad, but it hasn't really been gripping to me. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's great if it's not great, but like, what a story. You know, the story of Hiromu, like, and him returning, and, and you know, we didn't hear from him for over a year and a half. I'm, I bet you that content, like, is probably very emotional, very gripping. I'm hoping so anyways. They've got a great uh, production team with their documentary. I love wrestling documentaries. Like, I just do, so... I definitely want to check that out. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. And then also there will be um, some of the NJPW's best wrestlers from around the world reflecting on their favorite career, career moments, biggest entrance, and most impactful finishes. So, Do you have a favorite entrance of all time in New Japan? Um, I mean, the first one that comes to my mind is uh, Nakamura. You know, when he it, had... It, I think for everybody, it's Nakamura. Yeah, with you know the King and Michael Jackson, you know, get up in the King's crown. Um, yeah, that one's great. The one, the other one that comes to mind is also Nakamura when he wrestled Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom and he came out with all the strippers on the uh, on the poles. Yeah, that that moment is freaking incredible. Um, yeah, there's you know New Japan obviously does a lot of shows in like Cork and Hall stuff like that. You know, so not every event gets to have like major entrances but there are some shows that like when they do their king of pro wrestling's g1 final stuff like that that, that will like blow you away i know Ken- kenny's had some amazing yeah. entrances mm-hmm. dude Tana- Oka- okada's entrance this year okada's entrance last yeah his entrance this year probably was the best but i loved his entrance last year when the rainmaker returned yeah oh my god like i freaking popped and um some of kenny's entrances some of tanahashi's entrances um goto when he came out with all the paint on when he uh came out to get job to uh <laughs> to okada uh the entrance was incredible so i mean there's there's been quite a few yeah so yeah so that's all the content that's coming up this month for the njpw together so they'll all be up on njpw world to check that out um harold may did an interview with sports illustrated um talking about a, a lot of different things and one of the main things he mentioned in there was uh, the Madison Square Garden show, it's uh, Wrestle Dynasty on August 22nd, and know that the idea behind Wrestle Dynasty is to establish an annual event in Madison Square Garden, which would be like a second Wrestle Kingdom. So what do you think about that? I think that that is um, kind of asinine, to be honest with you. Um, you know, if you really think about it, it's like, that's, that's such a great goal, and I hope they can pull it off, but with the track record of their shoddy uh, marketing and advertising uh, campaigns here in WWE or here in WWE, <laughs> here in America, um, I just don't see how they can actually accomplish 
really generating enough buzz or interest in the States to have a card of that level. You know what I mean? Right. Um, they need to really focus on the things we've talked about in the past. They need TV and they need better advertising and marketing. If they're really going to create enough buzz and anticipation to have a major card here in, in the States that people see in the light of a WrestleMania or a SummerSlam or something of that nature, or even some of these bigger AEW cards and, you know, with, with the way the marketplace is, and we've already seen, you know, even AEW, who's pretty successful given their circumstances, they've kind of gotten away from that, like, one-day sellout sort of buzz to, you know, having a loyal fan base. But, I mean, the traveling market is kind of decimated at this point, you know, over the past couple of years with the Mania weekends and the Jericho cruises, everything like that. So, they have to bring something different. They have to capture the imaginations and, and the, the uh, attention of the audience here here in the West. And it's a crowded marketplace. I hope they do it. I want to see them do it, uh, you know. But you got to give us a card. You got to tell us what the card is way ahead of time. Like, uh, and that's hard to do. They don't like to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, Q Richelada, you got a card? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, so I think overall the idea of wanting to have a big kind of flagship show in America, overall I think it's a great idea. And, you know, this year they might get some help just with the fact of, you know, with due to the coronavirus, a lot of uh, shows have had to be canceled. People are getting refunds. They're getting their money, getting their money back. And if this... Um, show goes off on August 22nd and you know we're clear to travel and you know coronavirus is kind of under control there's going to be a lot of people who have saved mania weekend money saved double or nothing money um, you know save whatever money that they could use to go to this show especially if they do kind of come out you know ahead of time and say here's the plan card for the show and kind of promote this thing um, I th I think absolutely. I think they have a good chance of you know filling up the garden and putting on a great show, and then hey, this is what you're going to get every August or whenever every whatever they do it because you know G one's normally towards the end of August, so whenever they do this show every year, like hey, we're going to have this every year at the garden. Put it you know pencil in your calendar every year because you already know just kind of like what AEW is doing with their big four on the holiday weekends in the same locations. Like you already know it's going to be. Memorial Day weekend. It's going to be Labor Day weekend. Get it, you know, get a calendar, get it set. So I think trying to make like a, a tradition out of it, um, it's a great idea. It's just like we mentioned before, um, you know, TV is going to be a big thing for future events. And, and I've, right. I've heard that uh, Harold May is is aware of that. And he's desperately, you know, look, I don't know if desperately, but he's definitely looking to get TV in America and understands the importance of uh, having TV in America. Um, so, yeah, that and just, you know, continue just the promotion of it here in the States and just making, um, you know, wrestling fans in general. Obviously, there is a strong New Japan base here in the States that will travel. We've seen it over the years, but right, kind of tapping into that, you know, maybe that quote-unquote casual fan who's maybe heard of New Japan wrestling, heard about the five, six, seven stars, but has never really watch or been to a show. Those are the kind of fans that they need to bring in to, uh, you know, continue the growth of this company in America. 
Well, all, absolutely, Jeremy. You said uh, you brought some really great points, and I totally agree with you in the fact that uh, not that this isn't a, a good thing, what's happening with the COVID outbreak and everything like that, and we don't know how long it's going to last. God forbid it does somehow continue to affect New Japan come August time. I hope it doesn't. Um, I hope things are open up by them, but we'll re- remain to be, you know, that will remain to be seen. Uh, I can tell you at my job, we have a, uh, we have a couple um, jobs that require people to come in. So we have a rotation schedule. You might have to go in like once every couple months. They got that schedule booked till like the end of July <laughs> Wow. <laughs> on it, on advice of corporate. So like, I, I was thinking this work from home thing was going to be like, couple weeks you know a little breeze it's like oh this might be my new life (laughs) (laughs) yeah seriously Um, but um with that being the case i mean you know you're right we have seen a uh a traveling uh group that was willing to travel for new japan shows but let's not kid ourselves the reality of the matter is in the states new japan was much more successful when they were headlining shows involving the elite once they uh, once the elite left, no, it did not hurt their business in in Japan. In fact, they're doing better business without them, just because you know the strength of their booking and their star making power. But in the West, it has not strengthened them. You know, we were at that show in Dallas for the G one, and yeah, they had a good turnout, but it wasn't a great turnout. Um, you know, and anyone who thinks that they didn't draw that Madison Square Garden card last year off the idea that people were anticipating the elite being involved are kidding themselves. Now you and I came on this show and we said the, we're like the elite are not going to be there. Right. We knew this up front because we were following, but I don't think everyone who planned to attend that show, given the fact that a, it was a historical show B it was on WrestleMania weekend and it's in the garden. I don't think everyone who attended that show had that same idea or concept. So moving forward, it is gonna. It has proven difficult for them to draw. Po- you know, living in a in a post elite world here in the states, and um, they are doing some really great things. They've got uh, you know momentum on their side with the idea that there hasn't been a lot of sporting events. People have saved some money this year. There might be an opportunity for for them to do well. And you know, selling out the garden. Uh, they've got some really great ticket prices. When you take a look at what uh, ticket prices in the garden usually are versus what new japan is charging for wrestle dynasty um yeah i mean there's a good chance that they could sell especially if the card is if they market it correctly they promote the right card they get enough fan interest but it is going to come down to buzz anticipation marketing and you know uh exposure for the, the regular fan base um the other thing with that too is like how they need to keep that momentum up. They might be able to do it one time. We saw them do it last year. People are questioning, can they do it a second time? And I think it is a much taller order to do it on their own the second time. And even if they do well this time, can they do it again next year? And and my last question with all this is how would that hypothetically affect new Japan's schedule going forward year after year? Are they going to do it in August every year? How's that going to affect the G1 How's that going to affect the schedule with New Japan Cup and and Best Super Juniors? And we don't even know what's happening this year. I mean, Best Super Juniors is supposed to be coming up in, what, a little over a month? And we're still not getting Sakura Genesis? I mean, 
scratch the New Japan Cup, are we even getting best super juniors at this point? Right, yeah, that tour is supposed to start in, I believe, mid-May. And so, yeah, we just, we don't even know. Yeah, best of super juniors might be scrapped. And so, um, you know, I think this Wrestle Dynasty card... I mean, well, think about that for a second. I mean, think about all, you know, about half of the card for super juniors is usually rounded out by foreign talent. Think about all the travel logistics, you know. Mm-hmm. Even if there is a travel ban lifted by that point how rigid is it going to be is there going to be uh quarantines in place for people that travel from international like is that even a wise or smart thing to do would they end up running if they even could can they are they going to run super juniors with just domestic talent can they even keep all the dates that they had booked in the first place without enough talent to fulfill it you know what i mean right very interesting ideas yeah it's it's going to be a tough road these next couple months um Dealing with you know coronavirus and stuff like that, and yeah, you mentioned you know the traveling. You know, Will Osprey is still in the UK right now. You know, I mean he's not a junior, but I mean if they start running shows again, like how's he going to get into the country and you know guys like that? So, right, a, a lot of challenges ahead of the road. Um, you know, as far as like the scheduling in the future, we you know last year we had that big um, Royal Quest card that kind of came at the end of August, right after the G1. And so I think in the future, I mean, Russell Dynasty could be a kind of a good spot for that. that. I don't like that idea. Um, here's the, my only reason why is because the G1 is always this big thing that points to the future of Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And unless you're going to have some real world uh, repercussions from from a major card like uh, Wrestle Dynasty in August, right after the G1 there's no point in having it unless there will be, because if it's just going to be, you know, that, that show at the copper box was cool, but it didn't change anything from the time between G one finals and wrestle kingdom time. You know what I mean? Right. And so I don't think that if they're going to do a big show like that, I mean, you do a big show like that, you're doing title changes. You're doing, you're doing surprises. You're doing big moments. You know what I mean? And you're talking about like, we already have that with Dominion. Dominion's already that big show. So if they want to do a third big show in the West, I'm just wondering when is the opportune time to do it? I don't know that right after the G1 even is. I just think right now, this year, they, they, they lucked out with the Olympics and everything of that nature. And I, I don't know what they do going forward. Yeah. So uh, a lot of questions there. You know, luckily we don't have to answer those. That's, uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean, if it was me, I would say maybe like every April. You know, Mania weekend. Yeah, you just replace the current Genesis. You do it Mania weekend. You just run the biggest arena you can, and you just run a big show, all and piggyback off WrestleMania. Maybe some people don't like that answer, but that seems logistically like the easiest way to accomplish their goal. Right. That seems like it'd probably be the best way to go. And just knowing that you're going to have a city full of wrestling fans for the weekend, you know, people are going to be traveling in there and we know a lot of people come in town. They don't, they're not always there for WrestleMania. There's a, a lot, lot. Of, you'd be surprised. There's a lot of people that, you know, last year when we were handing out flyers for suplex mania, our WrestleMania watch party that we had, there are several people that were like, we don't even plan on watching this thing. We're not going like, you should be surprised. Like a lot of people do just come in town just for the indie shows or maybe just take over and don't, yeah. don't always go to the WrestleMania. So taking I mean, a- there is a, there is a huge crossover between people that attend the major indie shows and WrestleMania, of course, but there is actually a great divide between people that just go to WWE sponsored stuff and they don't even know about WrestleMania weekend. <laughs> yeah. Like how many people do we walk? We ran to so many people on the streets that like, didn't even know that there was a 
Mania weekend, quote unquote. They don't know about the collective or, you know, uh, WrestleCon and WWN and all that. And then there's like this other group of people that just come in for those indie shows. They're just going to Effie's big gay brunch and they're just going to, you know, um, you know, deathmatch ICW late night shows and, and spring breaks and stuff like that. And they're not going to go to WrestleMania or even watch it. And it's kind of, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's gonna be interesting to see kind of how Russell dynasty, if, if it happened, then just kind of what the game plan for that event is down the line. I just think, uh, WrestleMania weekend makes sense to me again, not just because the logistics, but because of the scheduling of, you know, the same, the same reason why it worked for, uh, G1 Supercard. It's right after the New Japan Cup. You don't have to do anything different. You know what I mean? All you have to do is just replace Sakura Genesis with it at right. that point. You know what I mean? Right. Um, otherwise, you're talking about a whole nightmare of, and I, it's not really a nightmare, but you're just talking about changing the format of their schedule that they've had for the past, I don't know, six, seven, eight years. You're changing it entirely going forward, which they could do, but how much easier is it to go to a city like, you know, WWE runs in, uh, you know, California next year. I'm sure there's a big venue that they can run that's in the area. I know they probably can't run Staples Center, but they can run something that's out there, you know, and, and draw. You know what I mean? Yeah. That makes the most sense as opposed to like trying to run the garden you know, which is one of the most expensive <laughs> arenas in the, in, you know, the country. It's, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if they can pull it off, I think it, it would be kind of a great, you know, accomplishment for them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, mania, we can definitely see like the easier, the easiest thing and the more um, logistical thing to do. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens here with this. I also think that there's, and this is the last point I want to make, you know, there's some people that like will point to it and be like, oh, well, they're not actually drawing because they're piggybacking off of WWE, you know, and that there's a reason AEW doesn't want to be seen to be doing that. But it's like, if I was New Japan, I'd just do it because it's like, what other group is going out there and drawing 10,000 plus outside of NXT and WWE? Right. So I don't really see that as a loss or, uh, you know, a failure. It's like when you're making money and you're doing it. And also it's like on those weekends, your guys are getting paid to work multiple days. Like that just makes the most sense to me. Yeah. That's yeah. my thought. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Perfectly good points there. And I, I agree with you. Um, I mean, I see both sides of the coin here. I can see. I do too. Wanting to, you know, establish um, your own thing, your own thing, Madison Square Garden, historical building. We've we've seen how you know the Japanese wrestlers um, love MSG and just you know the the history that comes wrestling in there and the Japanese wrestlers in the past that have wrestled there. And then on the other side, I you know like you, all the points you made up, you know, with WrestleMania weekend, just it's destination cities. You already have a bunch of wrestling fans there. Why not capitalize? There's no other promotion. That's putting on that much, you know, Ring of Honor is not going to do that without New Japan. Like, there's not any other promotion that's going to get that many people in a building besides New Japan. So, uh, well, we got some more news, so let's uh, roll through that real quick. Yeah. So next up, of uh, Bushi Road, they just recently released their quarterly report covering uh, November through January. Um, New Japan was not listed separately like it usually is. It was under the category of Bushi Road Sports of Business which includes New Japan, Stardom, and the kickboxing promotion. 
Uh, the revenue from sports was $17 million for the quarter, which is up 30, 33% from last year. Um, it said the increase was due to running two events at the Tokyo Dome, selling 70,071 uh, tickets, as well as increased revenue from the New Japan mobile game. From August to October, the revenue was uh, $13 million from the three companies. So wow. definitely a nice little increase there. Huge increase without Kenny. Shout out to Rich. <laughs> oh, my God. Gosh, uh, seems like seems like Naito might be a draw or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't wait for the response on that. Uh, Hold on, I just want to say, I just gotta. Uh, oh, never mind. Okay, keep going. <laughs> All right. Um, there's a uh, two part Kota Abushi interview that's up on NJBW1972.com. A lot of interesting comments there um, about Naito and just um, the whole tag team scene and wanting to be a tag team wrestling. Tag team wrestler. It's a lot of uh, interesting stuff there in that interview. Um, speaking of interviews, Kevin Kelly and Gino are on the NJPW English podcast this week, so check that out. Uh, the Monday free match is Kazuchika Okada versus Hiroshi Tanahashi from Invasion Attack 2013. Um, That's an incredible match. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of people saying this is probably the best match in the series. Um, so if you haven't seen that match, it's up for free now on YouTube or NJPW World. Um, speaking of YouTube, Hiromu Takahashi. So, so real quick. So my girlfriend, she, I'm in the other room recording this right now. She just texted me. She goes, what is a boneyard match? And then she said, correction, what is a buried alive match? And I was like, you win by burying your opponent alive. She goes, they're doing it at Mania. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't know who. But someone's uh, getting buried alive at Mania. I'm guessing Taker and AJ. Oh my God! It probably. <laughs> wow. All right, cool. Well, I guess that whole thing about AJ wanting to kill Taker, like they took it. It's a to shoot. The next level. It's a, it's shoot, a shoot, brother. It's a shoot, brother. <laughs> um, uh, but moving on to news here, uh, Hiromu Takahashi starting his own YouTube channel. Cool. So, so yeah, should... I don't know what I mean. That, there's gonna be some crazy shit on that, like for sure. <laughs> yeah, so that should be fun. Um, and then moving on, last thing here, having the news. So there's been a report. Um, you know, we had actually had a question that leads into this report. So Twitter follower at MadNutter zero one zero two says there was a story in Cage Side Seat saying the companies in Japan were wrestling in front of fans again. Is this true? And yes, that is true, MadNutter. There have been. Um, promotions that are starting to run again and promotions that are starting to run it, run fans. So uh, there was a report up on the front page of Wrestling Observer. Um, said the reason several Japan companies are returning to live show with fans this week is that at yesterday's government meeting with experts on the coronavirus, the doctors reported that the virus spreading has now been limited to three parts of Japan. In the rest of Japan, each prefectures, which are the states, governed are used to their discretion, but the belief is that isolationism will be ending and schools will be reopened and sports entertainment events will be allowed. Um, they still warned against large gatherings in small and close areas. Uh, parts of Tokyo are one of three regions, but not the entire city, along with places in prefectures of Aichi, which is the main city in Nagoya, and Hagoya, which is the main city in Kobe. So we got Stardom, Dragon Gate, and DDT that are all going to be starting to run shows in the next few days. Uh, Stardom. And all Japan. Yeah, all Japan. Uh, Big Japan has been running. They've never stopped. Big, Big, Japan, <laughs> <laughs> Big Japan's been running shows um, with fans. 
um, stardom tomorrow, um, they're going to be having their Cinderella tournament one night um, tournament that's going to be uh, airing live and free on their YouTube channel. And they're going to be running that tournament. They will be having fans, and they're going to be checking the fans' temperature before they get in the show there. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's supposedly supposed to be the protocol for all of these different shows. Like, basically, temperature checks, um, people with certain health ailments and conditions, uh, pregnant pregnant, women. um, People, they're going to be handing out free masks for every single show, so people shouldn't, you know... I think when you watch these shows, everyone's going to be wearing a mask. Um, Obviously, hand sanitizing stations. Um, I still don't know that that's even enough. To be honest with you, uh, I don't know how wise it is given the current climate and situation because, you know, you still run the risk of reinfection or, you know, basically restarting what they all the all the progress that they've, um, you know, basically made. Do you undo that by potentially exposing people to the virus once again by putting them in an enclosed setting? I don't know how many fans are actually going to be attending most of these shows. But you got to imagine it's probably somewhere between the 50s to the multiple hundreds, something in that vicinity, um, maybe even small 1,000. I don't know. But I just don't know how, um, how wise this decision actually is. But I understand why, and I'm not saying I agree with it, but I understand why these smart companies are doing it. It's out of necessity because how can they survive – Um, From a business standpoint, by staying closed indefinitely, they don't have the funds or the resources of a, you know, um, New Japan Pro Wrestling to continue to thrive or survive, you know, by not running. Right. Yeah. They they need that 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 money. They need that gate. And so obviously if they can't run shows and eventually they're going to have to go out of business. So um, I definitely see why a lot of these shows are trying to jump back on and get shows started and trying to take as much precautions as possible. Um, you know, very interesting with stardom being under Bushi road and, but they decided to cancel new Japan, but continue stardom. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm very questionable about all of this. I mean, even what's going on in the States, uh, you know, I loved the, the AW show that ran this past Wednesday. Um, I've been, kind of following the new the wwe shows just out of morbid curiosity yeah um and fascination but i don't know if even that risk is really worth it i mean given what we know about this virus and how infectious it is and how prolonged the onset of uh symptoms may be or even the fact that many people are asymptomatic and caring i don't know if the risk is really worth it but you know when you have large corporations and billionaires and people that are willing to risk their lives for it, you know, they're willing to do it. I just, I'm surprised that nobody has shown positive for it so far, right. you know, in the major leagues here in the, here in the West. Um, I don't know. It's, it's very questionable. Like I, I think it's a big can of worms that's ready to burst open. And I mean, the first person that gets, uh, you know, test positive for it. I, I'm wondering if these people are even getting tested. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, it's such a, a sticky situation to be in. It's like, yes, you you know, you got these TV contracts here in the West. So you you want to run shows, and then in, in Japan with the smaller companies, you you need that money to keep the business going, and you want to run shows. But at the same time, you also have to, you know, take in consideration just the health of your performers and and the fans. And so, I think everything's backwards. You know, uh, in Japan, 
the larger company, uh, being New Japan, is basically staying closed due to everything because, you know, I think they think the larger the gathering, the more risk is involved with that. Right. And so they're, you know, hopefully they've got a better, we don't know, but hopefully they've got a better handle on things. So the logic there is that a smaller crowd, a smaller group is less, uh, you know, less risk. But in the, in the States, it's the opposite. The big companies are the ones who are continuing to run, albeit, you know, empty arena, Whereas all the independent companies, all the independent shows, all the smaller companies, they're closed. And I mean, the reality is once this thing is all settled and done, there will be independent groups on both sides of the ocean that are out of business. Yeah. Unfortunately. And I mean, that's going to be the case for a lot of commerce, a lot of business. Yeah. It's just such a sad situation. And yeah, it's, I hope this thing gets cleared up quickly, as quickly as possible. Yeah, so I I mean I hope uh you know I hope their government has a good handle on it honestly because I mean the last thing that you know the wrestlers the fans the audience needs is more exposure to something that could be detrimental to them from a health standpoint. Yeah. And I you know hats off to New Japan, you know. Um I know that they were one of the last holdouts before this thing kicked off and I I'm not under any illusions that uh New Japan are strictly altruistic or anything of that nature. But in this scenario, they're doing the right thing by not running high-profile shows in Sumo Hall and places like that where it could be a detriment, you know? Right. And yeah, so I think so. with the with Bushi Road running the, the Stardom show, I believe that's going to be in Cork. And so that's also going to be a smaller crowd than a Sumo Hall. So maybe just kind of gain the grasps of what they can potentially do, I think is probably... I wonder if they limit how many people can attend. Mm, that'll be that'll be interesting to see what the the attendance report is, and will there will, I, it, will there be fans who even want to risk it? Like, will the <sighs> will attendance just be low from that standpoint? Well, we know that the majority of Stardom fans are thirsty young men, so I bet there will be. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So yeah, it'll be interesting to get to get the uh, the attendance report tomorrow on that show. All right, All let's right. get to these questions, man. Yeah. So first up from Reddit user Highest Fly Flow, he says, "Who is better, Marty Janetti or Yujiro Takahashi?" Without question, Marty Janetti. Right. Yeah. I mean, hands down. I didn't even have to think about this one. Marty Janetti is like one of the most underrated talents of all time. Just literally incredible. Uh, I know that this sounds so far-fetched in the eyes of most of the Western audience, but it is a fact. And all you have to do is just go back and watch the footage. When they were a tag team, Marty was better than Sean. Sean might have became the better all-around talent long-term and maybe had more of a star potential, but Marty was a better talent than Sean when they were tagging together. Right. Hands down. Uh, I think Sean has even gone on the record of saying that. I mean, Marty kind of Marty had more experience at the time that they started teaming, and Marty kind of helped. Marty fucked his life up with drugs and alcohol. <laughs> Marty, Mar- Marty could have been one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Like, yeah, and that's that's no joke. Marty Janetti was when Marty Janetti came back post, you know, all his fallouts, all his failures, and when he came back in two thousand and five, wrestled Kurt Angle. He was dude, still great. Yes, dude, that match with Angle was awesome, and just that like that mini reunion of the Rockers, man. That yeah, Marty was looking good. Marty, Marty was fucking incredible. Like Marty's so underrated. History is not kind to him, um, but Marty was great. He just was a fuck up. Yeah, 
unfortunately. Uh, I do want to say this, though. There was a time where Ujiro was, like, kind of wrestling very similar to, like, Kurt Angle, and he was kind of great. <laughs> well, dude, I need to see some of that. You, you, All right. For, for your next match, I want you to recommend me one of these Ujiro uh, Kurt Angle matches. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question from friend of the show, Zach Porter. He asks, has Jeremy watched Bloodsport yet? Zach, I, I hate to disappoint you guys. I, I have not watched Bloodsport yet. Uh, Dude, <laughs> I made my I made my girlfriend watch Bloodsport. She loved it. So yeah, I gotta get on that. I'll I'll add that to the queue of uh things to watch during no, the, bro, uh, the you, quarantine. You've got so you've got so much quarantine time. It's not even a long movie. Like, and I'm telling you, it's one of the best movies of all time. Like it's so cheesy, it's so bloody, it's so freaking awesome. It's so relevant. You need to watch it, bro. All right. I'll, I will try my best to get it done this week and re- <laughs> report back on the show next week. Me, uh, me and Zach got drunk one day and then watched it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, Zach also asked me, who's my pick for the Stardom Cinderella Tournament? Um, so, I mean... My heart wants wants to go with uh, you know Momo Watanabe. She's uh, one of my favorites there in Stardom. But just based on who they've been pushing and kind of where things are going and looking at the brackets, I feel like uh, Julia is going to be the one that's going to be winning the uh, the Cinderella, Cinderella Cup tomorrow. You know, I I was going to take a shot in the dark and say Julia, but because you said Julia, I'm going to change my I'm going to make my pick. Tam Nakano. All right, let me make sure Tam is Tam in the tournament. Yes, yeah, she is. <laughs> yes, all right. Josh is going with Tam. I I, have, I don't watch Stardom. I have no clue. <laughs> yeah, Julia, Julia seemed like one of the chicks they were pushing, so uh, one of the women, I should say. One day I got chastised for using the word chicks. I don't know really? if that's a bad word. I, in the group I did. Oh, you did? Yeah. I don't remember that Dr. one. Dr. Josie. <laughs> <laughs> Joshi. Um, yeah, but I, I have no clue. I don't watch enough stardom to say with any uh any authority. I'd I if I was you, the listener, I would listen to uh Jeremy. He knows better than I do. And and uh, even my knowledge is not not that great. So, you know, obviously, um uh, check out One Nation Radio. They have a preview of the Cinderella tournament and they have your stardom coverage for you here on the network. So if you're interested in getting to stardom, you know, check out One Nation Radio and I think Arissa Hoshiki is winning. That I mean that could happen. Isn't uh, she already like a champion? Uh, I think. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, she's not in the tournament, so yeah, that cannot happen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so so the champ, none of the champions are in the tournament. So there's no Mayu, there's no Arisa Hoshiki. Uh, Mayu's in the tournament. How? She's the champion. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I swear. Yeah, first round match looks like Mayu and Hannah Kimura. Hannah Kimura could win. Yes, yeah, she could. She's another. I mean, like. She's one of the girls that they're kind of pushing just based – I mean, I heard she's a good worker, but I hear she's not as good as many of the other girls, but she's very attractive, so yeah. she has a marketable look. I think another sleeper is uh, Jamie Hayter. Uh, really? She, she's been uh, tagging, obviously, with uh, B Priestley. She dates Carl Fredericks, um, and she's been doing great things. Her and um, B are the tag champs right now, and um, she's a really good worker. I, I really like her work a lot, and um, you know, with – her and B joining Odeo Tai and with uh, B's kind of turn on Queen's Quest, um, 
yeah, that could be interesting to kind of keep that push going and having Jamie win. See, I'm not even following it. I thought B Priestley was part of King's or Queen's Quest. I did not know that. Yeah, they had the big angle a while back where it's the uh, beginning of the year. I I knew there was a big angle with Odeo Tai, but I didn't know what happened. Yeah, with, I guess with I guess with uh um Kigetsu Kigetsu leaving, that's probably why they had to like do an angle, right? Yeah. I mean, I need to get in that stuff. I don't watch it. I just don't <laughs> have time. Yeah, man. There's so much wrestling, so much content in general, and just you know. Not, not now. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, actually, I mean, there's still, I mean, with all the empty arena stuff, and a lot of companies are putting out for free a lot of stuff from their archives. So, dude, but, I know you. I know you've been like eating up the the ROH stuff. Oh yeah. So Ring of Honor. If you guys have not been up on this, Ring of Honor has put out these anniversary series on their YouTube channels of some of their you know alumni wrestlers. So Samoa Joe, Kevin Steen, CM Punk. Uh, Daniel Bryan, El Generico. Um, there's all for, for for your money. Have you found a single match that they posted yet that's better than uh, Kobashi Joe? Uh, no, I think that is my favorite, my favorite, and the best match that they've posted on these series. So that's the first match on the Joe series that they posted is Joe versus Kobashi. That match is incredible. That was the second time I watched it. Because uh, you, you, oh, so great! You had me watch it before, uh, and yeah, it's it's so good. It's my favorite Ring of Honor match of all time. What it, what's your favorite Ring of Honor match of all time? Or like like, and we're talking like the best, you know, not right. just your favorite, but like the best one. I don't know. That's hard. I I don't know if I have what I would consider the best. I mean, that Joe Kabashi is going to be up there. You know, I can also think of you know Jay Lethal versus Jay Briscoe. Uh, Steen and Generico in um, their match. They've had the ladder war and then like that no DQ match they've had. Um, Trying to think what else. I mean, those are the ones that are like probably also like the, the young bucks ladder wars that they've had um, have been crazy. You don't, you don't have a single favorite ever. No, that, I don't No, Not just one. There's not one. I can just put my, my finger on right now. There's so many that I like. And plus, two there's like different eras of Ring of Honor, also. Yeah, but you know, it's kind of like there's different eras, but you there's got to be like the consensus number one. Like I think for most people, like I mean, like to me, the ones that I know of being like the best Ring of Honor matches, quote unquote, of all time are like Joe Punk two, probably mm-hmm. Brian and McGinnis. Or McGinnis, uh, Brian and um, Kenta are like up there, but I think for me, Joe Kobashi is the best one. Yeah, I mean, I know I, uh, Steen and Generico. Yeah, those are incredible. But yeah, I, I I've never seen anything better in Ring of Honor, in my opinion. Yeah, that's probably best bell to bell in ring action would probably be that match. I think I, I think the only I think the only real criticism of it is people are like well it's just a recycled kawada you know kawada mazawa kobashi match basically it's like a love letter to the four pillars but fuck it i love the four pillars so i don't care it's awesome yeah i think the one thing that could potentially hurt that matching it making it the best ever is just like i don't know if there was a lot of like storyline and build going into that match no, there wasn't. It was just basically a dream match. It was the ace of Noah slash, you know, former ace of all Japan taking on the ace of ROH. Right. So a lot of other matches, obviously like Steam Generico, you have that whole long backstory. 
uh, Brian McGinnis. There's some backstory there. So some of those other matches have like the like the promos and the the weekly kind of TV build up to it. And I think well for like for like in ring. I mean Joe and uh, Joe and Punk are just other level when it comes to in ring storytelling. They're very I wouldn't say on the same level in ring wise, although they're not. For the era, they're not far off from, like, say, your Okada Omega, but they're similar in the fact that it was an in-ring story. Right. You know, it wasn't all about the promos. It wasn't all about, like, you know, the segments and everything. And obviously, it's a different era. Ring of Honor didn't have a ton of that, although they did have some. But, I mean, that that whole feud was based on the in-ring story that they had, which was fantastic. Yeah, that Joe Punk series was great. Uh, so moving on here to the next question from Maserati, he says, "If it's not too late, this is a weird one, but could you see a David Starr or other controversial characters working at NJPW in regards to kayfabe? I understand his efforts to unionize wrestlers would make it harder in real life." Well, you know, one thing you got to take into consideration: how much is uh, union unionization of wrestlers going to affect New Japan Pro Wrestling? I mean, they're in Japan. It's not necessarily the same thing, honestly. Um, I think that their efforts for unionization applies more to like independent wrestling in the West. So it's not impossible. I do think it's strange that they've never had him work um, New Japan because I feel like he'd be a good fit. He's had great matches with, you know, Ishii and Osprey and different guys like that. But uh, I don't know. It, it, there seems to be something very enigmatic about um, David Starr and that like a lot of these companies don't want to bring him in, or maybe it's a lack of star character, star potential that people like some of these bigger companies just don't see in him. I don't know. Right. And he's a very, you know, promo heavy guy. And I'll see in new Japan, there's not really a whole bunch of um, promo time. I'll see there's the backstage kind of stuff. And, I'm sure he can kind of do stuff walking to the ring, but not as much as he does in other promotions. So I don't know if that's part of it, or maybe he's just not on their radar. I don't, I don't know. It, you know, if we're doing the Bret Hart scale that we did last week, you talk about a guy like David Starr promo, you got to be very high, right? Promo uh, probably like in the nine, like a nine range in ring work. You got to be very high. But when you, when you talk about it factor and look, you're in the mid range. I mean, he doesn't have a bad look, but there's not, you know, in a, in a bygone, he's a throwback, you know, he's kind of like a Cesaro, a guy that harkens back to the sixties or the seventies of pro wrestling. I mean, he reminds me of those types of guys like your Jack Briscoe's, your Dory Funks, you know, even your Bruno's things of that nature, uh, like a real shooter, but he doesn't necessarily grip you. I mean, I think there's a whole reason why they have the whole entire long entrance for him uh, or not entrance, but the long uh, ring ring introduction. The ring introduction, because there needs to be some sort of pizzazz to what he brings to the table. And if you don't hear his pre-match, uh, you know, promos and his video packages and stuff, and his work, you just look at the guy. There's not a lot to really sink your teeth into. But once you see his work, you're like, oh shit, he's fucking incredible. Right. So yeah, I mean, I definitely think. He could work in New Japan, especially with his style. He does have like a strong style kind of based um, offense with a lot of strong lariats and suplexes. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, he could. I think he could would be a fit in Suzuki Goon and you know teaming with guys like Saber and Suzuki. 
I don't think he's a fit anywhere in New Japan when it comes to the stables, if you want my honest opinion. I think that would probably, Suzuki would probably be the closest thing I would think. Possibly, but it's also kind of like, you know, you can't throw every Western shooter in there. It's like Zack Sabre kind of inhibits or like, uh, you know, he kind of like has that space filled up and it's like, I guess you could add more guys and change things. You could do whatever you want, but it's like, that's kind of Zack's role. You know, right, he's the guy yeah. that fills that role. Um, I just don't know. And, you know, we'll talk about it when we get to our cards. But we're talking about a guy like MJF, another guy, great promo, great look, decent ring skills. We started talking about fitting him in on our New Japan cards. We're like, where does he fit in? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are just some guys that don't translate well for whatever reason to the style of new Japan pro wrestling until you try it. Who knows? Maybe they bring him over and he'd be awesome, but we'd have to see. Yeah. Uh, next question from a friend of the show, Josh McLaughlin, Josh number two, he says, uh, top five, top five matches of pass the time during social distancing. Oh my God. Are <laughs> the top five matches? Yeah. Are these going to be new Japan? Are we going to stick to new Japan pro wrestling? Um, I guess so. He he wasn't really um, specific there. All right, let's let's throw some uh, let's throw some matches out there that he should watch. Uh, are these going to be the best matches or just matches that we think that we enjoy that we think you should watch? Uh, he said uh, top five matches. Oh man! Well, would it be fair for us to just throw out all four? Omega Okada match, <laughs> right? That's a, uh, yeah, I so I'm, I'm pulling up uh, Grapple right now and just looking at um, you know some of the top rating matches overall in New Japan. So Okada, Shibata. Uh, all... No, no, no. We 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 need to go one by one. This is this is a. Uh, uh, how about you give five, I'll give five, and we'll do it that way. Okay. But give me a second to uh, to pull up. You know what I want to do. All right. Well, uh, I'll pull. Um, I'm working off this list on Grapple here, so um, I'm gonna say uh, Okada Shibata, which was our recommended match last week. So watch that if you haven't. Um, Okada. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We, we're gonna go one by one. Okay. You don't get to. You're gonna take all five. <laughs> well, I right thought you. you I thought you need some time to look, pull your list up. I, I mean, I do, but I can still work <laughs> off the top of my head. Okay. Okay. I think that if there is a series of matches, we just throw it out there, like, just throw the series out there. You know what okay. I'm saying? So, obviously, I'll – Shibata – okay, you said Shibata and, and Okada? Yeah. Okay, Omega Okada, period. Like, obviously, it's, it's the greatest series ever. All right, so does that count as three for you, or does that just count as one? No, no, no. Well, that just counts as one. Okay, and so I can't repeat? No, because I just – I used it. Okay, um, then I'm gonna go with uh, Kenny Omega versus Tetsuya Naito from the G1 2017 Finals. Which one? Uh, the 2017 Finals. Of what? G1 Climax. What? Uh, what was the finals of the G1 Climax 2017? I said Kenny Omega versus Tetsuya Naito. Oh, I mean that whole series. Yeah. Any of their matches are just fucking incredible. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, if if it's a really good match and there's a series, let's just throw it out there. Okay. Because I mean, every every single Naito and Omega match is five stars. Yeah. Um. After that, I would just throw out Tanahashi Okada. Any of their matches, literally. 
then I'll go uh, Nakamura, Nakamura Abushi. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, for number three, I will throw out. Um, I'll throw out Tanahashi and Nakamura. Okay. Just, just a fucking incredible series. Gonna go with um, Tanahashi and Ibushi. Oh my god, so <laughs> good. <laughs> um, you're at number four. I think that was my fourth one. Yeah. Okay. Um, how about Will Osprey and uh, Ricochet? Okay. They're in, and all their matches are just incredible. Let's see. Uh, Omega and Ishii. Oh shit! Literally, <laughs> literally, this is how good this is how good New Japan is. Every single match that we've thrown out, aside from Okada and and uh, Shibata, those are all series matches. That like, there's at least three or four matches or more that are near five stars. Every single every yeah. single one of them. Um. So what? I, that was your fifth one. Yeah. All right, and then um, God, I don't even know. Uh, all right, for shits and giggles, I'll just throw it out there. Watch uh, the match where um, where Kushida gets uh, beaten by Hiromu in two minutes. <laughs> oh, the, the best squash match ever! The greatest squash match in the history of pro- professional wrestling. What was that from? That was from um, Invasion Attack. Uh, I, th- I, th- I always forget which show it's from. I think that's it. Just look it up. Look up um, Hiromu Takahashi versus uh, Kushida. And actually, that's a series as well because the matches that were long matches were all incredible. And then they also threw in the greatest squash match in the history of wrestling as well. <laughs> yeah. Just incredible shit. Um, so he also asked, if the Olympics get canceled this year and NJPW gets their summer schedule open back up, do you think they try to go backwards in their booking or do they just act like none of the last month was booked and just pick up with like G one? Well, you know the G one's not happening till when, like September. Uh, October, September. Yeah. I'm hoping <laughs> for our sakes, well, just for everybody's sakes, I'm hoping that this gets uh, cleared up before then. But um, I think it really just depends on what's most advantageous for them given that time period. I think the biggest thing is that they need to capitalize on whenever they have their first big match, you know, or not match, but first big show, you know what I mean? Like they come back, the ban has been lifted. People are going to be hungering for great wrestling. That first show needs to be special. And obviously we haven't had a lot of, they probably won't know ahead of time very much. You know, there probably won't be a lot of, time given like right now they're doing all these uh together project shows and everything like that and from what i can tell they're kind of keeping some storylines alive but it's not like they're emphasizing any particular storyline because we don't know what when this is going to end and we don't know when it's going to begin again you know what i mean so i think when they do that show that show is going to be the big kickoff like i mentioned last week sort of similar to like another uh what's the show i always forget the name of this show what's the show after wrestle kingdom New Year's Dash. Sort of like a New Year's Dash, but 
on a bigger scale. You know what I mean? Sort of like a show in a vacuum that can kick off storylines and get things rolling again. And then, and then it will remain to be seen. You know, um, I hope that we get best super juniors and dominion and roll into G one season and wrestle dynasty and all that. But I just don't know. Yeah. And as far as our summer schedule opening back up, I mean, they were kind of working around the Olympics. So, um, I mean, they were going to be running shows throughout the summer. I mean, they were going to do that Kaido tour in July and they were going to be kind of, you know, working around the Olympics. So the Olympics getting canceled is not going to really, I mean, it'll probably help with drawing. People won't be going between Olympics and their shows, but um, as far as our summer schedule, I think they were always planning on, you know, having a normal kind of schedule there. Also, um, reading the group chat, uh, James Boyd, a.k.a. Dr. Joshi, just said that he just got done watching B. Priestley versus Will Ospreay, his third favorite ever B. Priestley match. Yeah, that match was awesome. I did watch that <laughs> match from the uh, the No Fans Monday Wrestle Talk uh, no, no show. No Fans Gate. Yeah. Uh, no People Gate uh, show. No and People Gate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that match was awesome, dude. He killed B with the hidden blade. That was freaking awesome. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, check out that that match if you guys <laughs> want something to watch. I, I feel I feel bad to like be praising him for killing her with the hidden blade. <laughs> <laughs> Another uh, wrestlers attacking their girlfriend story. There was a video today of uh, what <laughs> of uh, John Moxley uh, super kicking Renee. In, in oh, a, I, I I was like, this is taking a really dark <laughs> turn. Like I didn't intend for our show to get this way. <laughs> Where did we go wrong? <laughs> no, there's a video of Mox uh, super kicking Renee. Obviously, he didn't really kick her, but um, they were doing this little stupid video thing, and he just runs up and like super yeah. kicks her, and it was hilarious. Because uh, he's trying to get her toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, luckily, I just installed a bidet here uh, at uh, Parts Unknown, and uh, it's it's been life changing. Why don't you install one here at the dojo? Uh, well, you got to buy one first. <laughs> my, uh, my my sugar mama bought one, so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, next question here from Reddit user T Flares. He says, we have Gorillas of Destiny, Evil Sonata, Dangerous Techers, Thin Juice, and Golden Aces by default as the main heavyweight tag teams by my recollection. What other long-term tag team combinations would you like to see? Which ones would you like to reform? Like Okada and Yoshihashi as Ride the Lightning. <laughs> um, I think they were only like labeled as Ride the Lightning during that one uh, uh, World Tag League, which that's kind of funny that people still remember that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, if there was one that I would like to advocate for that I think would just be incredible, Shingo and Hiromu. Mm. Yeah. That would be an awesome team. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you could always go Naito Hiromu if the time ever comes, but that would be freaking incredible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the one team that I would love to see that's probably not going to happen because you would have to uh, cross factions would be Shingo and Ishii. Yeah, I'm still holding out for Goto and Ishii. We saw, like, we've been talking about how great Goto and Ishii would be for years. And then we had a couple matches with them, and they were, like, some of the best tag team matches of the year. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I love Goto and Ishii. Like, that's the Haas team I've always wanted, and I I want them to tag more regularly than they actually do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Will and Okada. Yeah, that's a super team right there. Yep. 
Um, trying to think if there's any other people. Let's see, team. Yeah, nothing else really coming to my head right now. I mean, there's there, there's quite a few options. I mean, when you start thinking about like young lines as well that might be making their returns as well, there's there's some options. Uh, obviously, I think Kenta and Jay White is always an option as well. Right. Yeah, kind of a bullet club super team. Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of options. Yeah. Um, who would you like to see John Moxley team with if ever given the chance? I mean, I would love for you know for you know Shooter to come back and get them a run. Um, but if you had a team with somebody that's currently there, I th- uh, I think you gave the perfect answer, Shooter <laughs> sure. <and> Mox. <laughs> yeah, that that's the team right there. I do think <laughs> once again it, with it being kind of cross faction. I mean, Mox and Chingo with kind of the history that they've had. Um, in, in the indies, mm. um, I think that would be an interesting team. Very interesting. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good options right now, honestly. And, I mean, if if you just threw in one or two more extra teams like we just named, I mean, you have a very strong tag team division right then and there, yeah. immediately. Yeah. Now we just need some good booking for them. Yeah. And just cons- <laughs> consistent good good booking. Consistency. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Rance. What's up, Rance? Uh, next question from Twitter follower at Ushiyarogi says, "Is <laughs> That's ham- an awesome name. <laughs> is hamburger a sandwich? This is the answer we all need to know during these hard times. Absolutely, it's a sandwich. Oh, yeah, I would say. I mean, when you go to a restaurant... The hamburgers are usually under the the sandwich part of the menu, right? Now, I think I think I think what people are always wondering is like, is a hot dog a sandwich? That's right. always the real question, right? And I'm always like, I don't know. It's a hot dog, you know. It's a you know, is, is a kibasa a sandwich? Is you know, a, a, you know, a sausage link? I don't know, but uh, a burger, absolutely, it is. So, so you're 100 on the hamburger, but not on the hot dog. Absolutely. Why? Um, because a hamburger has two slices and a hot dog sits in a bun and it's connected. The, mm. the bread is not broken. Mm. To, for for me to for it to be a sandwich, you need two broken pieces to be slathered together. Especially since, like, you think about it, like one is vertical and then one is horizontal. It's not mm. the same. Mm. Man, bring some great points there. I didn't think about. Yeah, this this is. Compelling audio. What a great question, Rogi. <laughs> Breakdown of uh, sandwiches. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, uh, next question comes from Reddit user Grunty Dodds. Two-part question. If you had a time machine, what wrestler or tag team from the classic era of ECW, not the revival from 06, would you bring to 2020 New Japan? Then, put the time machine in reverse, who would you bring from modern NJPW to ECW? Oh my god. Um I mean, if I'm thinking okay, god, this is such a great question. I mean, for me, the first part, if I'm bringing somebody from classic ECW to 2020 New Japan, I'm bringing Taz. Yeah, but he said tag teams. He said what wrestler or tag team? Oh, I thought that this was a I thought this was specifically tag teams. No. 
Okay, I'm going to treat it the way that I heard it. How about you handle the uh, the single stars, and I'll handle the tag teams. Okay. So, yeah, so singles, so, Taz. So you would bring Taz from, from uh, the past era to the modern era. Yeah. I mean, I'm Taz is my favorite guy from ECW, like, by far. So I can't disagree with you at all. If you were to bring one person from um, modern NJPW – into like 1996 ECW, who would you bring? Um, I think Shingo. Whoo. Okay. Well, thinking about it for just a half second, because I did not review these questions before we got them. I think easily for me, like the easiest tag team to bring from uh, ECW is the Eliminators, John Cronus and uh, Perry Saturn. Mm, yeah. Just groundbreaking, just fucking incredible. High flyers, they could do everything, and they were just fucking awesome. Um, so yeah, that's I would bring them to New Japan nowadays. Uh, if I were to put now, I'm gonna reverse it and I'm gonna stick with tag teams, which is probably harder. But um, God, what? I don't know. Sonata and Evil. Yeah, I think they they that probably that's probably my answer. Yeah, I mean, I, I would question maybe Gorillas of Destiny just because of, of Tama's promos, and I feel like he could be a very like, um, you know, electric character on the mic in that old school ECW. I agree with you, but I also think to myself, you and you're absolutely right when you say that. But at the same time, Paul Heyman had a knack for taking Japanese uh, stars and bringing them over and accentuating their positives as they always used to say and i think he could like really utilize the whole lij gimmick the whole evil and sonata thing and really turn them into something special over there yeah yeah definitely like, yeah paul Heyman ecw was incredible pl- plus like they would fucking rule over there like they'd be able to like we get to see a new side of evil and sonata like they wouldn't be so dry like that that would fucking rule like yeah that's my pick nice um Next question from Reddit user PSAN91. With Matt Hardy saying he can work New Japan shows in the future. Although, hold on, I'm sorry. You always could throw the uh, Birds of Prey out there. Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh yeah. Oh, my God. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just had to throw that out there. <laughs> Dude, you like, oh, my gosh. Dude, yeah. Birds of Prey would be freaking incredible. Uh, they'd be so great that they'd get signed up by WCW and they'd be, uh, you know, languishing in the cruiserweight division. And then they'd be wrestling like, uh, three count. And then after like eight years of struggle, they'd finally make their way to w- WWF and then they'd have to like start all over again. So, yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> but uh, Reddit user PCN91 with Matt Hardy saying that he can work New Japan shows in the future. When do you think we will first see him on a show? I'm thinking Dominion at the earliest, assuming that they can run a show that big in June, given the current situation. That's an interesting uh, question. I saw something online about him saying he wanted to work New Japan Pro Wrestling, but I didn't like look deep into it. What What's the deal there? Yeah, so it was a Twitter exchange, and I think somebody mentioned seeing something about Matt Hardy in New Japan, and Matt Hardy said, you know, that something to the effect like his contract 
allows it and he would like to wrestle in New Japan in the future, something like that. I don't have the exact tweet in front of me, but that's pretty much the gist of it. Well, I mean, for better or for worse, New Japan are some WWF whores. If, <laughs> you know, if history is proven to be correct. So the fact that they could bring it, bring in like a legendary former star like Matt Hardy, they'd probably do it, you know, given the, the fact that he is such a big star. That being said, I don't know how he fits into New Japan. Right. I don't think he does at all. Like, I think it would be super weird. Like, at this point, given the type of worker he is, how it's so character-centered and it's so based on vignettes and backstage – not even backstage, like, you know, pre-taped promos cut from the Hardy compound. Um, I don't know how well that translates to the Japanese audience that they're viewing now. So I'm just wondering, like, would New Japan even do this? Like, yes, there is a precedent that they would because he's from WWE, but would it get over? I don't know that it would. Right, and then this kind of falls up with Dan's question, saying Matt Hardy says his contract allows him to work in NJPW and wants to work Wrestle Kingdom. Who would you like to see him face, or what role would you like to see him play? Um, and, you know, obviously Matt Hardy, he's, you know, in the later stage of his career, a lot of, you know, injuries, body ailments, his, his work is just not what it was when he was younger, so... Him on a Wrestle Kingdom stage, um, I mean, he, I feel like you, have, you would have to put him in there with a super worker like a Will Ospreay or Okada, or maybe you do like him and Ishii and have like this kind of crazy plunder brawl throughout the arena. I'm not a believer, to be honest with you. I'm just, I'm not right now. I think that the appeal of what makes Matt Hardy special at this point and what makes him so hot is the crazy backstage stories. If you guys didn't uh, listen to his um, interview, I know you did Jeremy, but if you haven't listened to his interview with uh, Chris Jericho this past week, like you definitely should go listen to it. But like he goes so in depth with like his free, the delete series and you know, the whole mythos behind his character and everything. And it's very convoluted. It's like, it reminds me a lot of like video game, like, histories or like the histories of like a of like a fantasy show that's been running for like 10 seasons like that's how crazy it sounds yeah i don't i don't know how you translate that to new japan like now i do know that he knows how to work a crowd and i know that he can like get the character over to a degree but we saw what kind of happened in wwe when a uh, audience that's not as familiar with his gimmick is um, presented with the character in a setting that's not completely cultivated by him. And I don't know if he, unless given the free reign to develop that mythos in Japan, that it would actually work on, on the other side of things, there have been mystical mythical characters. You know, you think about your Kabukis, your great Mutas, um, Jinzei Shinzaki, people like that, who've been able to play darker characters and, you know, uh, get the the, the uh, imagination of the crowd wondering. So maybe it could work. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what role I could even see him playing, to be honest with you. I'm just like wondering, like, who the fuck would Matt Hardy wrestle that would that would be compelling at this point? Like, right. um, yeah. I, I think AW is the perfect fit for him, but I don't know about New Japan at all. Yeah, it, it would yeah, it'd be a stretch. I also have this thing where it's like I'm kind of like um 
I don't know. I'm questionable about some of these guys that are like, I want to go work uh, New Japan. I want to work a Wrestle Kingdom. And it's like, okay, I get it. You want to work Wrestle Kingdom. You want to work Japan. It's a bucket item list. You know, you want to be able to say you did it. You want to have the experience. But you don't want to come in and work the road to shows. Right. You know, you, you want the Jericho payday. Like, so fuck off. I don't really care. Like at that point, it, unless, unless like Matt Hardy wanted to come here and like commit real time to doing a real, uh, program with somebody and actually spend some time here. If he's just going to come in and be treated like a, a, a part timer, like some of these other guys that have come in, but you know, it worked with Jericho. Jericho had a history that was cultivated here over, you know, several decades but Matt Hardy doesn't, you know, you, you right. just want to bring him in because he's a WWE guy. I don't think that works, to be honest with you. I, I think that there have been a lot of guys who said similar things. Like, unless you want to work with G1 like Mox, I don't know what to tell you. And, and even with the Jericho comparison, like Jericho has always been a better in-ring worker than Matt Hardy. And even at this later stage in Jericho's career, the matches that Jericho's had, you know, that Jericho Omega match, like Jericho was still and kind of, you know, hitting a stride there and kind of a second win in his career and just a master of in-ring. And don't get me wrong, Matt Hardy is great, and he's had a great career and has done a lot of great stuff for the business. But as far as, like, in-ring bell-to-bell, Matt Hardy's never been known as a super worker, you know, or, you know, super technical guy. Um, I know I know that this sounds gatekeeper-y of me, and fuck it, whatever, I'm a gatekeeper. But, like, I could see him coming in being, like, part of a chaos 10 man tag, you know, mm-hmm. or, or, or maybe he, maybe he works a six man, never title match, but like to say that they're going to give him a singles, a big, like profiled singles match and leave Ishii off of a wrestling kingdom again, or leave, you know, Shingo, Shingo or Suzuki off. Like, fuck that. No, no, fuck that. Yeah. Period. That's how I feel. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. It'd just be, it'd be, I have a hard time seeing him really and match up clear, with anybody. There. I fucking marked the fuck out when Vanguard 1 came out this past Wednesday. I love him in AEW. I think it's the perfect medium for him as a performer and for his creativity. I love the Broken Hardy stuff. I just don't see how that would work in a sports-centric environment like New Japan Pro Wrestling. Maybe you do a dream match, him and Evil. Like they could just do that for shits and giggles. You right. Know? I, I could see him, like him and Yano, and Yano like being afraid of him. <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah. Yeah. Give Jeremy the book. <laughs> uh, next question comes from Reddit user Rambone Slam Pig. Did you get a chance to check out the No Audience Free Dragon Gate show? And if so, what do you think? Are there any stars in Dragon Gate you'd like to see in NJPW? Um, I did not get a chance to watch Free Dragon Great Show. I did add it to my watch list on YouTube, so I will be watching it this week, but I have to, did not get a chance to watch it before we recorded. I heard about it. I did not watch it. My knowledge of Dragon Gate is extremely limited. Yeah, I'm not... Very peripheral. Yeah, I'm not very familiar with Dragon Gate roster. There's a few names I've heard, a few people I've seen... Uh, like KZ, I seen KZ um, against Pac last year in a um, Open the Dream Gate title match, and I thought he was really good. Um, you know, Ben K is another guy I hear I hear a lot about. Um, but honestly, I mean, those are the the two main guys that I could say without trying to you know lie to you guys. Um, I mean, the, the current champ right now, Naroki Doi. I have heard you know 
from other reviewers, good stuff about him. So uh, bring him in. You know, Ultimo Dragon's still <laughs> doing shows there. How about we bring Ultimo in? <laughs> uh, okay, great. And and before we continue, so just a quick update. So the reason, <laughs> so the reason my girlfriend had mentioned Boneyard is because apparently they're not calling the Buried Alive match a Buried Alive match anymore. They're calling it a Boneyard match, and it is AJ versus Taker. And they're like the the Boneyard match. The only way to win is by burying your opponent alive. Wow. <laughs> what is? Uh, by the way, everybody, WrestleMania is being taped this week, so we're probably gonna figure out like who won the matches like way ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, we'll we'll really find out. You know, Melter sources with an empty arena if we still get spoilers. <laughs> 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 All right, so let's. Uh, we had another question here. Yep. So uh, next question from Viking Pain has a multi-part oh, man, question he's got here. Like three questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, so first question says: Recently, CM Punk said having a match with Will Ospreay would be something he would be open to listening to. Do you guys think he's trolling or actually serious? And how big of a shift in the wrestling landscape would it be if New Japan somehow got CM Punk to sign with them over WWE and AEW? Well, I think that um, when he mentioned that, just to be clear, he threw out some other names out there. He threw out, like, what, John Cena, Rey Mysterio. Was there anybody else? Uh, I didn't see the full list. I know Will Ospreay was the main guy that I that I saw. Yeah, Punk threw out some names, and he was like, you know, I'm, he said he's not interested in wrestling, but if they threw out the right names. I could be misquoting, but he might have said Brock Lesnar. He was like, you know, if you throw out the right name, he's like, those are names I would listen to. And he was like, Will Ospreay. And it was funny because Will Ospreay is the only guy from over here that, you know, he didn't say Okada. He didn't say Tanahashi. He didn't say Naito. He just named Will Ospreay. So, you know, he's familiar enough with him to say he'd be willing. And funny enough, he didn't say any AW guys. He didn't say Cody. He didn't say Kenny. (laughs) Yeah. I would love to see him and Kenny. Like, that's my dream one of my dream matches, but um, you know, I think back to that new, that uh, punk promo from uh, the pipe bomb where he was like, maybe I'll go defend this title in new Japan pro wrestling. Never happened. (laughs) (laughs) But um, you know, I think at this point, like he's got a cushy job with Fox making some serious money that he's probably not deserving to actually make uh, to analyze a sport or, you know, sports entertainment that he hasn't followed in like five or six years. And his takes really aren't that great, to be honest. And this is just coming from an unbiased standpoint. I love CM Punk as a wrestler. But um, it, from what I understand, it seems like there is animosity from WWE. They don't feel the need to utilize him as a wrestler. There's not very much interest on their end to use him. Um, he did spoil the prospective rumored date of June for – a future WrestleMania date as you know, before they decide to do this, uh, you know, two days of WrestleMania in, you know, pre taped in empty arenas and, and the like. So I don't know. It doesn't seem like things are so great with WWE. I think it would change things a lot if he ever did sign with new Japan, but I don't think CM Punk is ever going to do that. And I don't think the Will Ospreay stuff is very serious. I think he's just talking about guys that he really respects, honestly. Right. I mean, yeah, I don't know if there is um, a, a number that is um, big enough for Punk to, you know, come out of retirement and wrestle. Um, yeah, once again, yeah, I think he's just saying kind of guys he respects. And, 
yeah, I would love to see that Will Ospreay match. And I don't know. I, mean, I feel like in the West, it might be like a big thing for like Western fans to kind of get into New Japan. But um, as far as in, in Japan, I don't know how big of a shift that would be of, of Punk coming over there. Well, I think we can't underestimate how big of a deal it would be for the Western audience. And, you know, we saw the kind of needle that like Jericho moved. And, you know, given. Obviously, Jer- like Punk hasn't made a huge stride on uh, what's what's the Fox show called? Um, backstage. Yeah, he hasn't made a big move on backstage, but it's backstage. Like I don't know if anyone going on backstage, you know, um, Cody Cody Rhodes could show up on backstage tomorrow, and or Tony Khan couldn't. It wouldn't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's set up for failure. So I really don't take put too much. Uh, stock in that honestly but at the end of the day if st punk wrestled it would be a big deal it, it really would um and new japan is looking for someone who can help them in in the west i'm not saying that they are actively but i mean if they're smart they should be you know given what happened with you know the elite and everything of that nature so it would be probably a great thing for them business wise but in the west right yeah yeah definitely definitely a huge impact in the west um uh, as far as Japan, I don't think it would like that. Punk to a show is not going to draw more fans or not in Japan. Well, I don't know. You know, he's got indie cred. He fought MMA. Obviously, it was unsuccessful, but there's that fact of it. Plus, he was a former. He's a former WWE champion, and we've seen how they treat WWE champions. So, yeah. I'm not entirely discounting it. I just don't know how how impactful it would be but uh i think our next question actually still has to do with punk yeah so he says now just for fun let's say all the stars and money align and punk does actually sign with new japan using bret hart wrestler scale would uh, cm punk rank in the new japan where would cm punk rank in the new japan roster where and how would you book his debut wrestle dynasty wrestle kingdom and other than will osprey what matches would you like to see punk have in new japan all right well let's just do the bret hart scale real quick with him all right, so look. Um, I'll say seven and a half. Yeah, I think seven and a half is fair. Um, you know, he's not an overly big guy, and, and especially you know doing MMA, he uh, leaned out a lot and um, you know dropped a lot of weight. So obviously, he's not as big as he was as a pro wrestler. So yeah, I think the uh, seven and a half works there. Okay. Uh, um. So Mike. Uh, nine and a half. Yeah, I'm good with that. You you could go higher. I just don't know how much that would translate to, like, the Japanese audience. But, I mean, you know, Punk's always been one of the best talkers in the business. Yeah. And and I think, who knows? Maybe there's been a a decline. Maybe he's better. I don't know. So I'm just kind of going intangibly. I'll go nine and a half. And then work. This is a hard one. It is a hard one. I would say I'm going to bump it up to an eight. I'm inclined to go in the sevens, but I'll just go eight. Even though I don't think punk is the greatest worker ever. I think that he's great at a lot of things in pro wrestling, like reading an audience, reading a moment, doing the small things. He's not the most athletically gifted guy, but when he was in his prime, he could still put on a fantastic performance. You know, Um, hopefully he still has that. Now, he might be declined. He could be, like, lower than a 7 at this point. I don't know, but I'll just go 8. 
Right, yeah, we we haven't seen him work since this last match, so are you inclined to go lower? Or are you or are you agree? I, I mean, I just don't know. I mean, we haven't seen this guy work in however long. It's like I don't know if he even with, you know, his previous experience, like how he's gonna be able to go in the ring or not. So um I do know that like doing punk rewatches He's still great, but not not as good as I remember him being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that too. I was like, because yeah, growing up, like watching him like come up in Ring of Honor, I was like, man, you know, Punk is just awesome. He's you know, it's like kind of a next level guy, and um, and that 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 level passed him by a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, you know, but you know what? Let's if you're if you're confident. He, he can be I, I'm not confident. Yeah. I'm just gonna. I'm. I'm like doing it from an intangible standpoint. Yeah. Like it would be sort of like Hogan against Rock. Hogan wasn't really as good as Hogan came off that night, but because it was that special moment, he came off a little bit better. Yeah. Maybe Punk. Maybe Punk can be an eight for one night. I don't know. All right. Let's go. Let's go eight. And then the last, our last edition, the the it factor. I think it's pretty high. I don't know. Um. I'd go as high as, I don't know, eight and a half. Yeah, I would go eight and a half. It could be higher. Like, there's a lot of intangibles with Punk. It could be lower. We just don't know. He could flop. All right, so uh, so where and how would you book him? Before we do that, I mean, what what's our aggregate score? Where would he rank in the, uh, you know, in the list of New Japan guys right now, you think? All right, hold on. Let me, uh, so we did... Seven and a half, then we did nine and a half, then eight for the work, and 8.5 for the it factor. So that's 33.5. And I think we're being pretty generous, honestly. Yeah, that, that's it really could be generous. a lot lower in a lot of areas. Yeah, so that's 33.5. If I remember correctly, that's like a, in the Will Ospreay, Chris Jericho kind of range there. Um, that, okay, uh, that, I mean, that's about, that's pretty fair. Yeah. And he could be much lower. I mean, I could see guys like Sonata wrestling circles around him, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So, that's where he's at on the Bret Hart wrestler scale. Now, as far as um, where and how would you would book him, you know, knowing Punk, he's going to be coming in for um, a big payday, a big money star. Um, he's probably going to be coming in for uh, Wrestle Kingdom would probably be his first and only show if if it was a one-time kind of deal, so you have him wrestle Okada. Yeah, I mean that's you bring him in, you have him wrestle Okada. Yeah, that that's the match. That's, yeah, I mean that's what you do. I mean you could do like a night tour or something like that, but you bring him in, you you have him wrestle your top guy. He's the top guy, you know, and and then and then see where it goes from there. Like, there's so many questions about Punk at this point. You need to bring him in, sort of like what they did with Jericho. Jer- they brought Jericho in. He wrestled Omega. You know, mm-hmm. you bring him in. You either have him wrestle Osprey, you have him wrestle Okada. It's one of those two guys. What about uh, Tanahashi? You you could do that, but I find that much, much, much less appealing. Yeah. And for prob- whatever reason, and you probably want somebody a little bit younger who could um, definitely kind of push that pace. Punk. I, I want the dream match aspect of it. It's like it's a one-time, once-in-a-generation. You know, you want to basically draw people. People are going to watch. You want to put him in there with your very, very top guy and watch your top guy beat him. That's Bro. Okada. 
you, you book Okada. You do it at Wrestle Kingdom, period. Yeah. And then go from there. Then maybe if he does well, there might be a future, but that's what you start with. Yeah, that's I think that's the plan right there. Um, then he says, lastly, Kota Ibushi has recently revealed that he lives a 25-hour day life cycle. How would you guys live your life with an extra hour a day? I'd probably sleep an extra hour. Bro, That's a, as soon as I read that question, that was exactly <laughs> what I was saying. I, I'd probably just <laughs> sleep <laughs> if I had an extra hour. I don't know if that extra hour would benefit me in any way, honestly. I, I'm not the best, uh, you know, I'm not the best manager of my time to begin with, so. Yeah, and if this is the first that you're hearing about Kota Ibushi's um, 25-hour life cycle, check out the NJPW Together um, show he did with Tanahashi, and he's talking about his sleep cycle and what he does to, you know, quote-unquote, get this uh, extra hour in his life. So, very interesting. So, we got the next question. I'll I'll take this one. It's from uh, Rich Latta of One Nation Radio. He said, Lex Luger or Sting? Well, for me, I've always been a Sting guy. Sting, growing up, was my second favorite wrestler behind Shawn Michaels. Um, So I'm Sting, man. So I'll say this. I'm a Sting guy as well. For for longevity of career, Sting is the better character. Sting has more compelling work. But if you want to talk about better peaks, who's the better worker in their peak? It is Lex Luger. Really? Lex Luger in 88 fucks Sting up at any point in his entire career, period. Well, I, I, I guarantee you Lex Luger in 88, like early, late 80s Luger is better than Sting has ever been in his entire career. I think Luger peaked much higher than Sting, but um, I think Sting probably has the better resume long term. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I think Luger peaked higher than sting many times in his career. I think, I don't think sting has ever been as hot in his career as Luger was during 1993 during the Lex express. I don't think that sting was ever as hot as Luger was for that one week after he beat Hulk Hogan (laughs) (laughs) on Monday nitro. Like there was something very special about Luger where he wasn't, I mean, part of it was his body. And, and all that, like he was like just a mythical looking kind of guy. Um, also, Luger was fucking hot when he came back, f- when he jumped ship from, from uh, WWF to WCW that one week. Like, I guess you could, the only time you can make an, well, you know, what? I might have misspoke because when Sting went pro, he was fucking mad. White over. hot. Yeah. Yeah. White hot. But um, I just have, times where like i just remember being more compelled by luger but they were so short-lived yeah i mean i've never seen 88 luger i mean i've only seen luger through the 90s and i mean i loved luger growing up i loved total package i thought he was cool um but for me growing up i always saw sting as better than him and i don't know like i'm just i always preferred sting over him i mean i can totally see why and i agree like I think growing up, like, I liked Sting a lot better than Lex Luger, for sure. Like, you know, he's the one guy. Like, I always would be like, the WWF guys would pretty much beat the WCW guys, except for Sting. Right. I don't know. Like, I, I pretty much thought that Ultimate Warrior could be anybody in WW or in WCW, but I don't know about Sting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was always, like, sort of my thing. 
And I remember uh, there's one Nitro where Wolfpack Sting almost beat Goldberg. Do you remember that? Yeah. And he, like Sting had Goldberg in the uh, Scorpion Deathlock, and then Hogan fucking hit uh, Sting in the head with the title belt for no no damn good reason, <laughs> just just so that Sting wouldn't like defeat the streak basically. Yeah. And um, I was like, yep, my theories have been, like, justified. Sting, <laughs> Sting would beat most of those guys. Because in my mind, I was like, Goldberg would run roughshod over most of the WWE. But Sting found a way to beat this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I love Sting. I mean, I've always loved Sting. Um, it, that's a tough question. I, I think Rich probably... I wonder what Sting. I think Rich's quite, like answer is probably be Lex Luger. Yeah, he really likes. He really yeah, likes Lex. Yeah, I think Rich is a Lex guy. <laughs> but in '93, bro, you couldn't convince me anybody could beat Lex Luger. Like in 1993, red, white, and blue Lex Luger. Like my God. <laughs> and then that week after he beat, you know, those couple days when he when he defeated the NWO was like. Fuck, we need Sting for. He's up in the rafters. Lex Luger's <laughs> out here putting in the work. <laughs> wow. He beat the entire NWO by himself. <laughs> Why we need Sting to come back? Lex did it. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, Rich had another question. He said, Why the fuck did y'all not shake me up and make me watch more Kenta Kabashi sooner? Okay. Before you say anything, Jeremy, Rich, I have been trying to get you to fucking watch Kenta Kobashi <laughs> oh my for God. like eight years. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'd be like, I'd be like, man, have you, I'd be talking to him and James and be like, man, y'all should really watch Sasuke versus Kobashi. And they'd be like, man, fuck that. <laughs> I remember in 2013, they're talking about like great matches from the years past. And I'm like, man, y'all should really watch some, uh, some all Japan. You should watch some Mizawa and Kawada or some, uh, Kobashi Kawada. And they're like, nah, fuck that. We're good. We're good with this, uh, Kurt Angle over here. This Shawn Michaels. <laughs> don't, oh don't fucking God. come at me on my podcast. And act like I ain't been trying to get you to watch Kenta Kobashi for like almost a decade. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rich. I mean, I don't know. I figured you you watch what you watch, man. I can't 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 force you to watch uh, Kenta. We're not accountable for for your viewing habits, sir. <laughs> right. And it's always funny because I feel like me and you will be like. This guy, X guy, is great, and they'd be like, "I, I know, I don't know, Chief, about you know, we we'll, we'll wait till see it." In, in all fairness, there was so Rich and James like uh, are diehard wrestling fans. They're some of the most knowledgeable fans that we know. They're obviously good friends of ours, but like I think over the past three or four years, their knowledge and and um, like exposure to. Japanese wrestling and outside wrestling, maybe even over the past five or six years, it's really expanded. But like, you know, in 2012, it was hard to watch, get those guys to watch Japanese wrestling. <laughs> it was hard. I mean, just like indie guy talking about indie guys coming in. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like Adam Cole came in. Me and you were like, oh, like Adam Cole is the man. He's awesome. <laughs> like, man, this, you know, Shawn Michaels like. It was like a year where they were like, Adam Cole, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and I was like, I was like, bro, you have to watch the Adam Cole versus fucking um Kyle O'Reilly, Kyle O'Reilly series. And they're like, they're in, they're in NXT right now. I don't see them doing shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh my god! Yeah, so this shit's funny. Yeah, but yeah, uh, Rich is in the middle of um, he's working from home and like um, like he's got the uh, the nine hour two thousand three Kenta Kobashi legendary GHC title reign like uh, YouTube playing in the background, and he's like, my god. <laughs> <laughs> He's like this man Kobashi dropped Chono on his dome like nine times. Yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> was like, but here's the thing: we there was a night at at the dojo where we decided we're gonna watch Kenta Kobashi. We watched like three matches, and by the second match, Rich was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that night? Yeah, dude. Most times when Rich comes over here and we try to watch wrestling, that man knocks out. <laughs> Rich, Rich Rich comes over to the dojo talking a big game. Yo, let's watch wrestling. And then he, he passes out mad quick. <laughs> uh, literally, we're watching a, a five-star Stan Hansen Kenta Kobashi match from 1993. This man slept through the whole shit. And then he woke up. He's like, who won? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, compelling audio. Yeah. We So let's go to the next question. Yep, so uh, Reddit user DomHomie101 says, uh, what are the best and worst wrestling shows that you guys have attended, and what are the best and worst matches that you guys have seen in person? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I what's think, the best? I think for both of us, the best show is the same. Uh, the G1 Supercard? No. What are you going to say? We're not Dallas? All in. Oh, all, all in. in. The best oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, I, wow. How could I forget about that? All in's the best wrestling show I've ever seen live in my life. Yeah, 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 yeah. All in, dude. That yeah. crowd was just the atmosphere. That whole weekend, dude. There was just something special in the air in that atmosphere for that show. Like, I know AEW um, fans are you know hot every week, but. That, it's never been like all in that show like literally from the pre-show from the battle royal to the ending of that six-man tag that crowd was just electric and loud and just there was just an energy um there was hope for something different besides wwe and yeah that was yeah best show ever been to um the worst wrestling show i've ever been to was like the last probably the last gc or um, Tampa Bay Pro Show that I went to <laughs> in St. Petersburg. No, bro, <laughs> bro, that show was not as bad as that one. Um, that ICW was that was it ICW or no? Uh, oh God, yeah, that, we went to an IC, ICW hardcore show at the Cuban Club in Town and Country, Florida. That show sucked, bro. That ass. yeah, that was horrible. That was the worst wrestling show I've ever been Just to. Just to put in perspective for you guys, the, the headlining show, the headlining match of the show, which ended up not being the main event, even though it was advertised as such, it ended up winning, going on in the middle of the card was Gangrel versus uh, Haku. Haku in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, also, we should hit up Hikaleo, see if he wants to come on the show, because he said he would. Yeah, well, yeah, we did talk to Hikaleo that night. Times are tough. <laughs> <laughs> But um, that that show, you know, you guys can look it up on Cage Match. I'm sure you can find it. But it was bad, bad, yeah. bad, bad. 
We've uh, been to I've been in quite a few bad indie shows and quite a few great ones. Yeah. Uh best and worst matches. I mean just thinking from all oh, in man. that that Kenny and uh Pentagon match. Is that the best match you've ever seen in your life? I'm just I'm just thinking from like live shows. Live? Yeah. Um I mean, I think I think the best match I've seen live and I didn't think so at the time, but so many people are convinced it was like this otherworldly match was probably Gargano and Cole from TakeOver in New York last year. Mm. Yeah, which is weird because, I mean, it was a great match, but that night, like, I felt like I liked Walter and Pete Dunne better. Well, I felt like I liked the uh, Velveteen Dream match the best on that card, which I, and no one agrees with me, so... <laughs> Uh, I, I don't remember who he wrestled that night, but um, was it Alistair Black? No, Alistair Black. Was yeah, like, no, no Al, he Alistair, was in the tag team. Yeah, he's a Ricochet. Um, oh, who did? It might have been Matt Riddle. Yeah, it was Riddle. I think. Yeah, I think I really liked that match. I mean, I don't know some some really great matches I've seen was Zack Saber and Ishii from Rev Pro. Yeah, uh, Bandito um, and Osprey from the. Uh, WrestleCon Super Show. Will Ospreay versus Bandito from WrestleCon the year before. No, from the WWN Super Show from the year before. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I've seen the, some the, really the good riddle, shows. The Riddle and Ospreay match we saw at Mercury Rising. That's what I just said, didn't I? You said Bandito. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant uh, Matt Riddle versus Will Ospreay. Um, Okada versus Jay White at G1 Supercard last year. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, we've seen some really, really, really great cards live, like over uh, the years. Honestly, the uh, the the ladder match from Super Card of Honor from New Orleans. Uh, I mean, I I still really love Cody versus Kenny Omega from that card. I know people didn't love it, but I loved it. I don't care. That match is that match, fucking rules. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that kind of. Pop- I mean, we saw. I mean, Okada and Tanahashi. Uh, G1, I mean, G one in Dallas. I mean, I. I've seen some really incredible um, matches just here at NXT. Um, I saw a really notable match between Velveteen Dream, um, Roderick Strong, and who they had a match. It, it was a three-way. It was Roderick Strong, Velveteen Dream, and someone else. It was it was a three-way was for the Keith North Lee? American title. Keith Lee. It might have been Keith Lee. Yeah, and we saw it like in Minreg Hall for like seven dollars. Yeah, um, and it, and it ruled. One of the first Largo Loop matches I can remember that was really great. Um, Pack versus Balor versus Hideo Itami, Kenta. Uh, that was an awesome match, bro. Uh, at FIP, John Davis versus Darby Allen was incredible. Yeah, where Darby Allen jumped off the top of the building onto him, like just incredible. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, we've seen some, I've seen some really great live matches. Uh, his next question was: If his career didn't come to an early ending, where Shibata, where should, where would Shibata be in the peak pecking order of NJPW? Where would he have been to? Would he have been the one to end Okada's two year reign? Would it have been Shibata and Tanahashi or Kingdom Twelve instead of White versus Tanahashi? Would he have won the G One by now? Well, I thought that that year's G1 was going to be his year. Uh, it's all speculation, but that's what it felt like to me anyways. Um, 
it, I, I mean, it's all speculation. I think that everything that you have proposed could have possibly happened. Maybe none of it would have happened. As far as in the pecking order, I think once people left and Shibata would have still been there and would have been one of the best performers in the company, he'd probably have a higher role than he had previously. I don't know where it would be. That's all I can really say. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, Shibata's injury is very similar to like the Magnum TA injury. It's like, what what would it have meant? Probably a lot, but we don't really know. Yeah, it's yeah, such a difficult thing to even think about. And, um, you know, if, you know, that IWGP title match with Okada, that kind of elevated him out of like the never division. And I felt like from there, he would have been competing for the IWGP title. He would have been competing for the IC title. He would have been in these kind of top, you know, main event to my main event spots against the really top guys. Um, obviously, we'll never know, but I kind of feel like that's the direction they were going in with him. And then, um, and I think you bring in some great points there, Jeremy. Uh, his next question, thoughts on what direction will New Japan go in? When they're finally able to get back to running shows, are we in for some major shakeups? Yeah, I mean, we we don't honestly we, we have no idea what kind of shakeups are going to happen. We don't know what Gato has planned. We don't know if he's going to stick with the plan, scrap the plan, go in a new direction. It's kind of hard to say. Um, like you mentioned, Josh, I do think the first big show we could get like a, a New Year's Dash type of show where we kind of reset the playing field and kind of get stories going forward for the remainder of the year. Um, obviously, if they start back up, you know, anytime soon, I mean, the direction is going to be leading to Wrestle Dynasty. Um, obviously, it's a big show. I feel like they're going to make that card even bigger than Dominion. So I feel like all their efforts and storylines and booking is going to be leading into Russell Dynasty and making that a, a blowaway show. I think at this point, because everything is so up in the air, maybe they're allowed to do a show. And the direction of that show depends entirely on what kind of um, – um, what's the word? Like basically assurances are made for them. Are we going to be able to continue to run consistently? after this or is this a one-time show and then after that we don't know because that entirely changes the complexion of the show you know what i mean like yeah. if it's a one-night show then it's a one-night show if it's something that's going to feed into future shows and they know they have guarantees of that then that's different so it's really hard to say but i think either way gato has his uh <laughs> his plate pretty full when it comes to booking the future of, of the company basically yeah um the next question is with Dick Pound postponing. And I don't – did you hear – was this official? So I don't know if it's official, but I did hear that uh, Dick Pound did say today – I knew that the Canada team was supposed to be pulling out, but then he said – I heard that. He said in comments that the, the Olympics would be postponed until 2021. And the question is with Dick Pound postponing the 2020 Summer Olympics to 2021 – how will this affect both 2020 and 2021 G1 Climax? And the the, the, the short answer is we don't know. Um, we don't know. I mean, there. who knows? Maybe, maybe Corona like clears up. Maybe the G1 happens as regularly scheduled and everything changes. Or maybe the G1 runs later in the year for the next two years. I don't really know. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, for for this year, if if it if it gets postponed, if this is really happening, I don't think it's going to affect the schedule this year. I think they're going to um, stick with their um, G one schedule for this year, and shouldn't really. I mean, the only thing that will affect, I think, it'll probably maybe better attendance with people not going to the Olympics over G one. Um, but yeah, I don't know how it'll affect twenty twenty one. And final question from him. Thoughts on Tom Brady joining the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Um, you know, me and Jeremy don't watch football. I watch college ball. I think, Jeremy, you don't watch any football, right? Not really. really. I mean, if somebody invites me over to something, I will. But, yeah, I don't ever really watch football on my own free time. I mean, I'm a I'm a Michigan fan, so, you know, Brady threw for us. So, obviously, there is some affinity for him because of that. But I'm not going to be one of these fair weather fans that jumps on and is like, yo, I love, I always love Tampa Bay. Right. Yeah. Yada, yada. Like, the, the reality is, I'm not going to watch Tampa Bay play unless, like, here's the reality. If they go to the Super Bowl, I'll show up at the Super Bowl party, get the free wings and chill. But that's about it. Like, I, I really could care less. Like, I'm not really a big uh, NFL fan. At all, yes, so, yeah, mean, same here. Like I, I could care less. Like it's not a big deal to me. <laughs> so. Um, I mean, it's a big deal to people in Tampa if that's what. It, did, right. Is that official? Did it happen? Yeah, it's official. He signed, and yeah, I've been just seeing you know <laughs> memes and people people celebrating all these you know people I never knew watch football all of a sudden are like, oh yeah. Here's so, the, here's here's the thing. When I did watch football, I fucking hated the Patriots. So I had like a love hate because it's like. Tom Brady threw for Michigan, but he's a bitch ass. <laughs> but I hate, you know, and I hate, uh, you know, um, freaking uh, New England. New England. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of disappointed that they're giving up on Jameis Winston or whatever his name is. Jameis like, I Winston. get it. Jameis Winston, whatever. It's fine. I don't care. It. I, I like to focus on the real sport, which is pro wrestling. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh last set of questions although we should we should we should throw this question over to one nation radio because they're real sports fans and they care and i and you know what well really well rich doesn't watch nfl anymore he's been on uh I, the uh the strike for like three years now i know he is but he can still like talk sports all day with james and and floyd can too and probably most of the guys in social suplex we're like the two caveats the two guys who just don't give a fuck about right. the nfl dude once i start talking about sports and the threat i'm like man <laughs> bro, I, I, bro, I get pissed like caleb be throwing up some mlb or nfl shit and i'm like why don't y'all talk about ott like i don't get this shit <laughs> oh my gosh uh, last few questions here from Muzza. So he first he says, "How are you guys doing since last episode?" And the funny thing is, well, he's, he's asking this like he doesn't talk to us every day in, in, the, in the social suplex thread. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like I'm like freely like uh, offering up like statuses on my whereabouts and my you know well being. Like, like you live with me, you don't even know where I am half the time. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, to answer your question, uh, Maza, I am doing fine. Yep, we're we're practicing some social distancing for this episode. Uh, we're distancing from each other. Uh, you're you're in the um, 
what what's what do we call that the the remote studio I'm at- I'm in parts unknown. Yeah, you're you're in the parts unknown studio this week. Uh, I'm here at the dojo. Uh, um, no, in all honesty, um, I have not been tested, but um, I am awaiting some tests that will be coming back very shortly. Um, just to kind of like, just as a cautionary thing. Um, but to be honest with you, I feel fine. I've been taking my temperature, ninety eight degrees, no cough. No, no fever, no nothing. Doesn't mean I don't have any sort of infection, but I'm working from home. I'm eating some good food. I probably need to focus on studying for my uh, financial, uh, you know, licensing test, and maybe focus on uh, bettering myself through working out, which has been kind of hard. But um, other than that, I've been fine. Yeah, and I, I've been fine also. I've also been working from home this week and probably till the foreseeable future. Um, I've been doing my best to kind of uh, social distance and, um, you know, obviously been, you know, everything else, you know, doing church online and pretty much everything else has been online and talking to people through the phone or in Google Hangouts and stuff like that. So, yeah. I will tell you this, though. Me and Jeremy worked from home together for about uh, three or four days, and I was like, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to, like, put on wrestling in the background. We're going to be, like, chilling together. It's going to be awesome. And it's like, nah. Jeremy, like, I, what I found about Jeremy is that Jeremy cannot multitask. So I, like, try to talk to him, and he'd, like, kind of acknowledge me and then go right back to what he's doing. I'm like, fuck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm here all on my own. Like, Jeremy doesn't want to chill with me. Yeah, man. When I get in the middle of a project, man, I I can't I can't break the focus, or I'll totally lose or forget where I was, and just completely just forget everything I was doing. Jeremy's out here talking. He cares more about the people he works with. He's talking to them on the phone, and then after he gets off the phone, I'm like, "Yo, I was listening to this podcast. Something really funny happened." And Jeremy's like, "Oh, that's cool." <laughs> <laughs> <laughs no, but you know, I totally get it because I'm I'm the same way. Like, I think. I'm not good at multitasking either. So it was kind of weird. We were like working together in the same room, but like we were like miles apart. There's just such a rift between us. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Coronavirus. Yeah. That's... Corona. Put, put in a, Ter- put in a rift. Corona's, te- Corona's tearing our family apart. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. Uh, his next question. So let's go to the next. <laughs> He says, "How badly is WrestleMania gonna suck?" I don't know, man. They, I saw that they're announcing some matches. I don't even follow WWE, but they're announcing some matches. Like, I kind of know what's always going on in WWE, even though I don't watch it. And they're like, Alistair Black against Bobby Lashley, and I was like, "Why?" Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, this, yeah. This is just. I, I, I'm actually, I'm actually really excited for this year's WrestleMania. Like, this is the most excited I've been for a WrestleMania in years, just to see what the fuck this even is like no, nothing they're doing makes sense they're like giving away the network for free what the fuck they're throwing matches on there that don't make sense like this shit's wild bro i don't know yeah it's it's gonna be interesting i don't know how good it's gonna be i mean we've seen the no people gate shows they've done uh so far with uh, raw and smackdown and nxt and so i guess yeah based on those shows i don't think it's gonna be really good at all Yep. I mean, I, I think it might be, like, interesting, but I just don't know what to expect. Yeah. And this last question, which current WWE wrestler who has never been in New Japan would you most want to, 
want. I could say for me, Drew McIntyre, his size and style could see him as a IC and world title contender. Well, I am going to the cage match just to double verify, and I feel very confident. He has spent uh, quite a bit of time in Japan, but he never worked for New Japan. So my answer will be the same answer I give every time I'm asked this question, Cesaro. I think Cesaro is the prototypical perfect fit for New Japan Pro Wrestling from a working style. He's never worked for New Japan, and... I think he would be incredible in New Japan. And my dream match was always Cesaro versus Shibata, and it will never happen. Yeah, I think Cesaro, he was always one of my favorite guys in Ring of Honor and then obviously in WWE and just the incredible things that he can do. And with with his style, definitely a perfect fit into the uh, New Japan style. Um, we have the same answer. It's both Cesaro. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. Um, I don't think has Alistair Black ever been in. I don't know if Alistair Black's done any uh, Japan. Maybe he's done Japan, but I don't know if he's done New Japan before. I'll look him up by his free name, which was Tommy End. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna look him up by his slave name. Yeah, we don't we don't have to uh, call him by the slave name here on keeping a strong style. Um. No, he never worked New Japan. Yeah, I think uh, Tommy Yen would be um, a great addition in New Japan. His uh, strike base, heavy strike base style, I think would be a, a nice uh, welcome addition. And I think you'll be pleased with both those answers, Maza, since they are both European answers. <laughs> All right, well, now it's time for the uh, the main event segment here. So like I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, we're going to do some fancy booking here. So we're doing AEW versus New Japan Super Show. And this will be a competition. So I have my card. Josh has his card. Uh, Floyd and Amy will be putting together their cards on this coming oh, up. Oh, so Amy, Amy's doing it too? Yeah, that's what uh, Floyd said to me today. I was hoping it would be Amy because I love Amy. And I know that she is a big fan of new Japan pro wrestling. So like, I'm very interested to see both the cards that she and uh, Floyd can put in. Although I will say this, like at the end of the day, they're both AW marks and AW new Japan. Not quite the same balance of talent, <laughs> but <laughs> no, I'm just playing, but uh, I'm very excited to see what kind of cards we all came up with. I will say this before we continue. I fucking hate fantasy booking. I think that I have literally curbed all fantasy booking questions from this show for the most part because every time we get one, I like shit on the questioner for even asking us one. And it's not because those are bad questions, but it's because I personally hate answering fantasy booking questions. Cause I, and it's not because they're not good. It's because I suck at them, and I don't like doing things I'm not good at. And when <laughs> Jeremy made me do a fantasy booking card, I was like, fuck. I've been stressed out for like a few hours before the show trying to put together – a good AEW versus New Japan show. <laughs> this has been a very stressful time for me. Like I hate this. And on the other end, I, I love fantasy booking and coming up with you know my own cards and storylines. I already know Jeremy's cards are gonna be better than mine. Like he's much better at it than I am. Uh, so yeah. So the rules. So we have uh, one pre-match and then ten matches on the main card. And so we'll each say our cards and then. Um, after All Things Elite this coming Saturday, we'll throw it up for a vote and have you vote out of the four cards 
who had the best AEW versus NJPW card. So we'll uh, go back and forth here until we get to our main event. So uh, we'll start at the pre-show. Young boy, what do you have for your pre-show? So my pre-show match, and just to be clear, my mat, my show is taking place in the Dome, in the Tokyo Dome mm. in Japan. Um, it's going to be a – it's just going to be called – I don't know what it's going to be called. It's the AEW – no, I know what it's going to be called. The AEW New Japan Pro Wrestling Summit. Mm. And the opening match is a New Japan Rambo and it is a 30-man Rambo. The following participants, which once I name them, they will not be participating on my main card. It will be as follows. In order, Colt Cabana, followed by Lance Archer, followed by Daniels, followed by El Fantasmo, MJF, Finley, Janela, Ishimori, Yo, Shima, Fale, Kazarian, Evil, Luchasaurus, Sonata, Show, Ortiz, Desperado, Matt Hardy, Juice, S- S- uh, Santana, Brody Lee, Ryu Lee, Scorpio Sky, Jeff Cobb, Chase Owens, Tamatonga, Jimmy Havoc, Toriano, and Ryazuki Taguchi. Wow, that's a stacked rumble there. This will be the greatest Rambo in the history of New Japan <laughs> Pro Wrestling. <laughs> um, I'm thinking something very uh, akin to the um, Battle Royal that they ran at All Out. Or, I'm sorry, at All In. But um, booked even better because it's got great talent from New Japan Pro Wrestling. And um, I don't know. Who do you think wins here? I don't know. You got a lot of uh, interesting guys. A lot of, um, you know... Top two uh, mid card guys in both promotions. There, um, I don't know, I'll, I'll go uh, Lance Archer. Uh, Archer's not a bad pick. I'm gonna say MJF wins this. Okay, it's a good pick I'm, there. Just because I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So for my pre-show, you know, I did think about you know doing some kind of Rumble or Rambo. Um, but I had a match planned and cause you mentioned when we were kind of talking about this, that you were, were going to put a, a woman's match on your main card. And I was like, well, then I got to put a woman's match on my main card. So I, I bumped something that I had on my main card onto the pre-show. So my pre-show opening match is going to be private party versus proud and powerful versus El Fantasmo and Taiji Ishimori versus Rapungi 3k in a fatal four-way for the IWGP Junior Tag Team titles. Wow, that's pretty lofty. I will tell you this. I have left off the Junior titles from my card, as evidenced by the inclusion of the Owen Show in my Rambo. So there will be no Junior title match, uh, Junior Tag Team title match on my main card, but uh, pretty pretty incredible. Do uh, With that being the case... Have you picked a location and a name for your show, sir? I, I did not. I didn't know we were going. We we're going that in depth into it. Um, oh, I went that in depth, sir. Um, let's see. Um, well, since your since your show is taking place in Japan, I will do my show in the U.S. Um, Are, is it a dome show or an arena show? Um. We'll do. We'll do. A re- I'll do. I'll do it in Madison Square Garden. 
All right. All right, nice. So who's going over there? Um, so I'm going to have uh, Rapungi 3K retain the titles here. And who are the teams again? Uh, Private Party, Proud and Powerful, ELP and Taiji, and then Rapungi 3K. I left I left um, Private Party off my card. Mm. One of the big exclusions of my card, and I felt bad about it, but I left them off. Yeah, as we get through my card, you'll see there's a lot of exclusions that I've kind of left out, but it's it's hard to fit everybody on the card if you're trying not to do a bunch of multi-man matches. Now, as a preface, I will say this. I tried to make this card as realistic as possible. Same so here. So a couple things. A couple of things for me. My champions are the same champions that we have right now. Same here. I haven't changed any of the champions. And um, I could have easily, you know, we could have easily just done Omega Okada right off the bat, you know, headline. I didn't do that. I went with things that I thought were realistic, things that were attainable, and things that, given the politics of, of the um, situation, things that could actually be done. Same here. So let's open up the show. All right. Um, so what's so, your, your opening match? So the opening match of the Pro Wrestling Summit 2020 is a four-way match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. Hiromu Takahashi defending the belt against Sammy Guevara, Jungle Boy, and Robbie Eagles. Mm. Nice. Starting off with a hot uh, junior opener there. Yes. And... We have a new champion in Robbie Eagles. Mm. I like I that. Haven't bo- I haven't picked any champion. I literally have not booked winners, but I'm going to just do it on the fly as we Yeah, go. I-, I didn't book winners either, but yeah, I'll book on the fly also here. Okay. All right. All right, so the opening match for Resolution, that's my show name, AEW versus NJPW <laughs> Resolution. Um, will. Is it- is it? It's not resolution. It's resolution. Yeah. W r e s t l o s. That that was going to be the uh, our the big show in uh for our backyard promotion. That was supposed to be our big uh, pay per view resolution. For G U W. Yeah. <laughs> we, we never got to it, but we had some big plans for that for that card. Resolution. That's great. Uh, so the opening match for resolution is going to be. A six-man tag. It's going to be Los Ingramnables de Japón of Evil, Sonata, and Shingo versus the Death Triangle of the Lucha Bros and Pack. That is an incredible match. I love that match. Um, and as far as who's going over, um, I think I'm going to have... Uh, I'm going to have the Death Triangle get the win here. Wow. Wow. Who's taking that pinfall? Um, evil. Evil. <laughs> <laughs> so my uh, second match of the night, working their way up from the pre-show all the way to the main card, we have a special women's showcase match. We have a eight-woman tag team match. The women of AEW versus the women of stardom. We have the team of Nyla Rose, Hikaru Shida, Riho, and Chris Statlander taking on the 
faction known as Stars. We have Mayu Iwatani, Arisa Hoshiki, Tam Nakano, and Starlight Kid. Mm, that's, a, that's a pretty entertaining match right there. I'm not going to lie. I reached out to Rich and James <laughs> for help with this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. And uh, we have the team of AEW going over the team of Stars with Reho or with, uh, I'm sorry. With uh, Nyla Rose picking up the win over Starlight Kid. Mm. Seems pretty realistic, right? Yeah. Uh, so the... Top s- booker. <laughs> the second match on my card is a Haas match between the Stone Pit Bull, Tomohiro Ishii, and the Exalted One, Brody Lee. Wow, what a match. That would be freaking incredible. Um, I'm not going to lie. I've got Ishii here on this card, but um, he's not in a singles match, but I wanted him to be in one. But if he was going to be in one, that's a great one to do. And the, the Stone Pit Bull is going to go over here and de- defeat the Exalted One. Well, he's jobbed enough for a lifetime, so that's 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 not too bad. <laughs> I saw. I love the. Um, if you guys haven't seen the meme, there was someone who put out a meme this week that said "social distancing explained," and it was a picture of Tomohiro Ishii next oh, to the yeah. IWGP title. <laughs> that was sad. That got me in my feels. Yeah. All right, third match on your card, sir. So the third match of the night. We have a six-man tag team or uh, match between the team of Suzuki Yoon, Minoru Suzuki, Tai Chi, and Zack Saber Jr. taking on the team of the best friends in Orange Cassidy. Mm. We never got the match between Suzuki and Cassidy during WrestleMania weekend, so I figure we'd make up for it here at the Pro Wrestling Summit. And believe it or not. Best friends in Orange Cassidy are going to pick up the win here. Wow. Who's taking the fall there? Taiji. Mm. Eating the uh, strong zero? Uh, he's eating something. I don't know what he's eating, <laughs> but he's losing. Nice. And I don't know if that's actually how I'd book it. I, I, you know, it probably should be a Suzuki. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to change that. Suzuki lands the gotch style pile driver on orange cassidy picks up the one two three all right fuck you orange cassidy <laughs> but uh, this match this match would be plenty of comedy i mean think about think about all the players involved you've got strong style like alumni in the in the in the sense of suzuki taichi and saber but you got the comedy element of best friends and cassidy plus best friends who worked in new japan before so all the combustible elements for a great undercard six-man tag team match but suzuki will overcome yeah so that's, that's i think that's the right call there yeah then uh for the third match on my card will be uh my women's showcase match and this will be a double oh 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 you're so woke you uh <laughs> value women more than me you got third on third from <laughs> and this is a uh, a double title match for the AEW Women's Title and for the World of Wonder Title from Stardom. Oh my God! So it will be Nyla Rose versus Hikaru Shida versus Mayu Iwatani versus Momo Watanabe. Fatal Four Way Elimination Style. Last Woman Standing is your double Stardom and AEW Women's Champion. 
So you're stealing some shit from ECW. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love I I love when fatal four ways and triple threats have elimination yeah. rules. It makes it much better. Yeah, four way um, dance. And, yeah, the four way dance. So you you're you're booking a four way dance for the double title. Yes, and I'm going to have Hikaru Shida be the sole survivor and the woman wow. holding both those titles. Wow, you've changed the landscape of wrestling, Jeremy Donovan. I did. <laughs> that's that's a pretty cool match. Um I like my stars versus the all stars of AEW match, but you you picked a pretty good match there. Thank you, thank you. Now I don't know if you're gonna be able to overcome my fourth from the top match here, though. All right. For the never title, Shingo Takagi defending the never open weight title against Darby Allen. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that is a crazy match. Dude, Darby was bouncing all over, bumping like crazy for Shingo. Darby Allen has a death wish. Shingo has a death warrant. It is a fight to the death with Shingo Takagi retaining the title at 15 minutes. Nice. Man, we get to see the the Shingo big man offense. (laughs) Yep. All right, so uh, my fourth match on my show is a tag team match. Non-title affair. It will be representing AEW, Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, taking on Dangerous Techers, Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi. What a... Okay. If you were to pick any regular tag team, like, uh, from New Japan Pro Wrestling to put on a great match, that's, like, at the top of the list right there. Yeah, it was hard. I was like, who do I put against the Bucks? Like, they've already faced, like, Evil and Sonata and G.O.D. It's like, who do I put against these guys? Like, you got to have the Bucks on the card somewhere. Um, Absolutely. So, I was like. Well, I thought about Rapongi 3K, and I was like, they've done that already. They've done, you know, so many of these matches. you got to give them something fresh. Yeah, so something fresh. Sabre and Taichi, great team. And they can really go out there and put on a, a hell of a match with the Bucks and um, I'm going to have uh, Dangerous Techers pull up the upset here. And, Holy and shit. De- and defeat the Young Bucks. Who Who's taking – well, obviously Matt's taking the pinfall or the submission loss, but who? how, how is this happening, sir? Uh, I'm thinking uh, Black Zack Driver onto oh my God. Matt Jackson. All right. Well, you might have outdone me, but we'll see. My fifth match of the night. We have the Young Bucks taking on the tag team of Kenta and Jay White. Mm. We have a storyline of Kenta and Jay White being the so-called quote-unquote leaders of the Bullet Club. Mm. Taking on the originators, the original leaders of the Bullet Club (laughs) in the Young Bucks. It's a built-in storyline. It's great. It gets, you know, the top guys... In Kent and Jay White, guys that I did not want to use at the top of my card, on the card, um, you know, there's some people who are probably looking at that saying like, oh, man, the Bucks are going to be held down. Nope. Kent and White got their working shoes on. They're going to go, you know, pace for pace with the Young Bucks. This match is going to be fucking great. And um, I got the Bucks going over. Nice. Going over Kenta. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, uh, Melter Driver. Melter Driver. Nice. All right. So for me, my next match will be for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight 
title. The champion, Hiromu Takahashi, will defend the title one-on-one against Darby Allen. Ah, geez. Well, you know, take everything I said about the match with Shingo, subtract Shingo, put in Hiromu. You've got a different kind of crazy fucking spot <laughs> fest. Yeah, these guys are going to go ball for the wall, uh, flat neck bumps, dives, um, coffin drops, um, you know, sentons off the, the apron to the outside. I can tell you, I've seen Darby Allen work a couple matches, and I saw one live, him against Black Taurus, and it was fucking insane. So Darby's no stranger to Lucha Libre, and when you put him in there with a guy that, that's a seasoned in Lucha Libre style as Hiromu, that match would be fucking incredible. All right, so what is... Oh, and uh, uh, Hiromu is uh, retaining the title here. Okay. Now, I've got a fucking banger for you, Jeremy. All right. We have a six-man tag team match. The Death Triangle, Pac, fucking Pentagon, and Phoenix taking on the team of Chaos, Tomohiro Ishii, Goto and Yoshihashi. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> you know, I, I I didn't want to throw Hashi in there, but I kind of had to. But when I thought to myself, I was like, I'd love to see Ishii and Pentagon mix it up. But I didn't want to waste Pac. I didn't want to waste Pentagon. And I thought to myself, you know what? I got 10 matches. Let's fucking run it. Death Triangle versus Chaos. I like that. Who's going over? Believe it or not, chaos is going over in this case. With, uh, Ray Phoenix taking the fall? Ray Phoenix is taking the fucking fall. He's going to eat. He's going to eat a GTR and go to sleep. Nice. I could say, um, you know, brain buster from Ishii, but that's a little too on the nose. So Goto's going to hit with the GTR, one, two, three, and we're off to the races. Nice. In, in a freak, in one of the best six man tags you've ever seen in your life. All right, so then the next match on my card is it's going to be kind of a sleeper. You're, you're going to hear this and maybe scratch your head, and people are going to be like, "Why did he book this?" But my next matchup, it's going to be Switchblade Jay White one on one with freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. Wait, what's the match? <laughs> Switchblade, Jay White against freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. All right, explain yourself. <laughs> so I really enjoyed the pack and Orange Cassidy match from um, Revolution. And I'm taking that same kind of formula where you have the, the bully heel who doesn't want to deal with Cassidy shenanigans and it's going to force Cassidy to... Um, actually try and wrestle and so kind of the same kind of format jay white you know bullying cassidy throughout the match kind of taking the advantage until you know cassidy turns up starts hitting you know topes and hurricane ranas and head scissors and kind of this back and forth match and then you can have plenty of shenanigans you have your ref bump best friends come out bullet club come out there's this whole crazy smas a lot of near falls on jay white you think orange cassidy's gonna pull the upset but in the end Jay will hit the Blade Runner, and Jay White will defeat Orange Cassidy. I like it. <laughs> it, it'll get, it gets Jay a lot of heat for beating one of the most over guys in, in AEW, and uh, it'll be one of the most um, 
loudest reactions of the whole night with the fans really wanting Orange Cassidy to beat Jay White. Now, we are at a point where our two cards are fucking raw. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the fans are going to have a hard time voting between uh, our two cards. No lie. Like, unfortunately for us, Amy and um, um, freaking um, – why do I forget names? Floyd. Dude, I forget the names of like wrestlers. I forget our names. Like I always forget names. Floyd, th- those two are going to have a chance to listen to the show and cultivate better cards than us, but they're going to have a tough time doing it. <laughs> yeah, this is not yeah, it's not going to be a walk in the park. But uh let's go to the seventh match. So, I've got a match that is chock full of history as the AEW Tag team champions Kenny Omega and Hangman Page take on the New Japan Pro Wrestling IWGP heavyweight tag team champions in the Golden Aces. Guess Kota what? Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi. That is also my seventh match. <laughs> <laughs> Golden Aces versus Hangman and Omega. Double so, t- both titles on the line. So I thought to myself, you know, Kenny's the top guy. You could easily put him in either an AEW title match. You could throw him into a new an IWGP title match. But I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to keep the titles as they are. And, you know, if you weren't going to put him in a title match, what's the one feud that makes the most sense from a storytelling standpoint? It is, Ken, it is him and Kota Ibushi. And with the fact that Kota Ibushi is the current reigning chip, tag team champion in new japan he's the current tag team champion in AEW. it just makes all the sense in the world throwing the fact that there's bad blood between kenny and tanahashi the last guy that he faced for the iwgb title at wrestle kingdom last year plus there's history between hangman and Tanahashi, where Tanahashi wanted to save him from the Bullet Club and, you know, bring him over to the uh, the Hantai army. There's just a lot of built-in history here. Not only that, but like the match that Kenny and Hangman had very recently with the Young Bucks and all the history that that played into the, the Bucks versus the uh, Golden Lovers. There's just a lot of built-in history to this match. It makes... I'm not surprised you're doing it because it's the same match I'm doing. Yeah, and um, makes a lot. Of, yeah, makes a lot of sense. I did think about throwing the young bucks in there to make it a triple threat, but I'm like, nah. I think it'd be a better story with just um, just a straight up tag match. Absolutely. Plus, there's the fact that like Kenny and Hangman have had some like you know some issues between them. There's like a bit of animosity there. They're not like completely both members of the elite anymore. But, you know, Hangman has a long history in New Japan Pro Wrestling. This match, seventh from the top, is going to get a lot of play, a lot of, like, um, crowd reaction. And Hangman's kind of playing Kota Ibushi at this point to Kenny's, you know, Kenny Omega. So it's sort of like he's filling in for Kota Ibushi over in AW at this point. So, like, it, it's just – it makes so much sense on paper. Now, I will tell you this. In my universe, this is a non-title match. mm it is champ versus champ, but the winner does not take the other champion's title. Gotcha. Mine's uh, double titles, both belts on the line. No no titles on the line. This is for pride only. 
And believe it or not, Kenny and Hangman are going to beat the Golden Aces. That's that's the finish I had too. With Tanahashi taking the fall. Mm. Tanahashi is going to eat the loss to Hangman Page. Wow. Going to put uh, Hangman over there. Hangman is going fucking over huge to f- to fulfill and that leaves the uh the door open for future Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega matches down the line so nothing emphatic between those two but Hangman fulfills his destiny in New Japan by beating the ace of New Japan Pro Wrestling I like and that. I like it too what 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 did you have in mind I have uh, Abushi actually taking the fall, kind of continuing the storyline of him kind of being on a, a losing streak and kind of on the downfall there. So I'm going to have a Hangman Page be the main one to kind of get the fall there and a situation where, like, Kenny is kind of like, all right, like you don't have to hit another finisher on him. But he's like, nah, gets him up, hits the dead eye right in front of Kenny and pins him. One, two, three. Is that his finisher, the dead eye? Yeah. Okay, that that's the finisher. He's hitting on uh, Tanahashi, but I like your story too. <laughs> so at this point, for those of you who are keeping track, I'm at four and four. New Japan has four wins. AEW has four wins. We got three more matches to go. If this were the 1995 Starcade card between New Japan and WCW, we have three more deciding matches to figure out who is the World Cup winner. Between mm. America and Japan. Let's see here. I have uh, one, two, thirty-four, five for New Japan right now. Wow. And then I got one, two, three for AEW right now. So this is where we get a little bit outlandish, but we will see where we go from here. So for the eighth match of the night, I have a singles title match as the Rev Pro British heavyweight title match title is on the line. Will Ospreay defending against Le Champion Christian. Bro, that is the same match (laughs) I have for my eighth match. I have a weird feeling that, like, the last four matches, we have the same fucking card. Yeah. (laughs) So I have uh, Chris Jericho against Will Ospreay. Chris Jericho has talked, uh, you know, publicly about what kind of – who, what opponents he wants to face. Will Ospreay is one of those opponents. Jericho has been involved in the – IWGP, the IC title, and the AW uh, title picture. So I wanted to kind of get him involved in a title that he's never been involved with and get him involved with a challenger that he has never really fought before in the champion Will Ospreay. And this is a match that I thought would really, really deliver because of Jericho's... You know, it's hard when you have guys like Jericho and Mox who, who are dual members of both AEW and New Japan. Yeah. So so in this case I want to put him uh, put him up against Will Ospreay and I thought this match would just really 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 deliver in paper. What were your thoughts? Dude, you pretty much got all my thoughts there like we've heard Jericho saying he wants to wrestle Ospreay. Uh, I think those two styles kind of mesh and match up. You got Le Champion, this you know the heel and Jericho coming out with the inner circle. You have the valiant babyface in Will Ospreay, who's you know now a heavyweight and looking to prove himself 
um, as a top heavyweight in the world. And also keep in mind, Jake Hagar was not involved in my Rambo, but he will be accompanying Chris Jericho in the dome to face Will Ospreay at the Pro Wrestling Summit. Yeah, I'm going to have uh, Hager and Sammy G out with uh, Jericho. Oh, my God. And on this night, Chris Jericho will reign supreme. Bro, that's exactly what I was thinking the same thing. Judas Effect. Judas Effect, Chris Jericho. No, not only just the Judas Effect. It's a fucking... um, It's a fucking um, Osprey uh, Os Cutter. Oh, my God. Into a Judas Effect. (laughs) Oh my gosh, bro! That it's an os cutter off the top rope into a Judas effect for the uh-huh. one, two, three. Bro, that's it. Doesn't get any better than that. I can't. I don't have a finish that's better than that. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Jericho, the new reigning Rev Pro British Heavyweight Champion, Le Champion of Le British. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's both of our our eighth match of the yeah, night. Yeah, so. I- I want to say my my ninth match first, just in case it's right. your ninth match. Uh, but my actually, it might be your main event, depending on how you put the weight on these titles. It's probably, I think it's my main event. So my number nine match is for the double IWGP title. Mine is for the W I IWGP <laughs> title as well. It is Naito <laughs> defending against Cody. That's my ninth match. <laughs> oh man! Holy shit! So I know we have the we have the same tenth match. Yeah, we do. Um, All right. So Naito versus Cody is my double title match, the ninth match of the night. Yeah, and, and I think I and I think that once we announce our tenth match tonight, it will make all the sense in the world why this is. Why would we devalue the double title as the ninth match of the night? Right. Clearly, there's one uh, big New Japan guy neither of us has said yet, and we we both obviously see him as the the main eventer of this card. Yes. Uh, but you know, Naito's still a big star. Cody's a big star. You need we need a top spot for both those guys. So I was thinking, hey. Cody's challenged for the title before in the past against Sokata at Long Beach. Let's give him another shot, this time against Naito. My thinking here, Naito, the top star in New Japan Pro Wrestling at the current time, the double champion, taking on the week in and week, week out Triple H entrance recipient in <laughs> Cody Rhodes. This man comes out in AEW, gets the biggest pyro every single week, gets the biggest reception. He's the biggest star in uh, AEW. And I thought to myself, you know, Cody, big star in, in New Japan, maybe not like the biggest star, but a pretty big star. And I mean, you think of the guys he's had big matches with, Okada, Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, Juice Robinson, all sorts of guys. But him and Naito, I don't think they ever locked it up. Yeah. And, you know, Cody's had a shot at the IWGP title before against Okada in uh, Long Beach, but he never had a shot against Naito. And for the double title, it makes all the sense in the world. So I totally see why we both ended up with the same match. I'm just so surprised we have the same order of matches, which is fucking weird. Yeah. So who do you have going over? I have Tatsuya Naito retaining Mm. the double championship against Cody 
in a barn burner. And um, I do know that there's some people who, who, who are looking at this and they're like, you know, Cody, great on the mic, great worker, but maybe not up to the New Japan working style. Naito kind of down. But I think given the circumstances, given the uh, stakes at, at, you know, that are at play here, this match actually could end up being a really, really good match. I'm, I'm going to go four and a quarter on Naito and Cody in the semi-main event. And, I mean, I'm, just an incredible match. I'm having double juice in my match with these guys. Double juice. <laughs> me, me too. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to up the ante right here on the air. I didn't book this, but we're going to go no DQ. Mm. All right. But uh, I'm having Cody defeat <gasps> Naito. No. Be, he, hey, he can no longer be AEW champion, so he's going to become the double IWGP champion. Big title change, and um, that ties my score up with uh, AEW and NJPW five and five. I'm gonna go with Naito winning because it's it ties everything up for me. New Japan against AEW five and five. So, so Naito is not losing the double title in Tokyo. There's no fucking way. Maybe in Madison Square Garden, but we're not in Madison Square Garden, bitch. <laughs> we're, we're in the fucking dome. And uh, Naito's going to hit him with that Destino. And, you know, um, fucking Kevin Kelly's going to be losing his mind. Um, <laughs> who, who, who's the... Uh, uh, Excalibur. No, what's the uh, commentator for ROH? Or if, oh, I'm sorry, it's not ROH anymore, is it? No. Okay, so who would be if we're doing an AW versus New Japan? Um, um, what's it called? Like if we're doing the commentating team, who who's the commentators? Obviously, Kevin Kelly. Yeah. Um, Kevin Kelly, Excalibur. Like if if I was doing it, I would do Kevin. It's Ke- probably gotta be Jr. Right. Like if this was happening in a realistically, like Jr. would be on. It'd be like Kevin Kelly, Jr. Excalibur, and maybe Gino. Gino, yeah. Okay. So yeah, Jr. is gonna lose his fucking mind as Naito beats Cody. Hmm. Well, in my universe, we are, we are in Madison Square Garden. We are in the States, and uh, Cody's going to hit that crossroads. You know, Arn Anderson's going to have um, the playbook. Arn Anderson's been studying Naito and LIJ. He's got, all, he's got the plan set for Cody, and we're going to get a reversal of the Destino into the crossroads, and Cody's going to get a huge win and be double champion. In my universe, MJF is going to have won the Rambo and cost Cody his mm. title reign. Mm. And after the match is over, Naito's going to be, uh, you know, calling for the golden roll call. And you're going to have, you know, Shingo come out and Hiromu come out and Bushi and Sonata and Evil. And while they're doing the, the golden roll call, Fucking Sonata's gonna hit him with a finisher, and it's gonna be a new finisher that he's never ever displayed before. Nice setting up an, a future tile shot between Sonata and Naito. 
Dis- and it's going to uh, break up LIJ. Wow. Or at least, yep. Or at least cause some confusion about what the future of LIJ even will be. I like that. And you know who's going to come out to save him? Yeah. Really? Mmm. I like that. So, so we're at five and five. So what is the main event, Jeremy Donovan? So the main event for both of our cards <laughs> I'm, I'm a, <laughs> that I'm guessing here is it's for the AEW title as John Moxley will be defending against Kazuchika Okada. That is the exact main event that I have for my card. The ace of New Japan Pro Wrestling, Kazuchika Okada, the true reigning top guy of the company taking on the defending main event of aw john moxley a guy and again john moxley you take a look at everyone he's faced in the company i'm not surprised we ended up with the same main event because what bigger match could you have you've got mox who is not only the reigning aw champion but also the reigning iwgp us heavyweight champion he's a double champion across both companies and he's faced almost every top guy in this company except for Kazushiko Okada. They've tagged together. They've never fought one another. And is there a bigger match for that title for Moxley in New Japan other than Kazushiko Okada? There, I, I, I poise to you that there is not. Yeah, I think that's what you have to do. I think that's the biggest draw. That's the, the money match. Like you mentioned, Moxley and Okada have been touched one-on-one. Uh, that's, that's the money match there. Here's the only reason that I see this as being able to headline in the dome. Kazushiko Okada's fucking going over. Mm. Well, Kazushiko Okada's also going over in my universe <laughs> in Madison Square Garden, uh, putting New Japan at six and taking the AEW title. So at the end of the day, we have a New Japan contracted wrestler with the AEW world title. And then we have an AEW contracted wrestler with the double IWGP titles, continuing the inner uh, the brand supremacy between both these companies going forward. So my thinking here is this: uh, I love the way that you did that, and that that's even Stevens. It makes all the sense in the world. But for me, Okada beating Mox makes all the sense because Mox is a contracted New Japan Pro wrestler. So Okada being him makes sense. But not only that, Okada is a documented great and best friend of the Young Bucks, somebody that Tony Khan has wanted to work for them, somebody the Young Bucks have wanted to work for them, someone that has tons of history with Cody, Kenny Omega, Lance Archer, all sorts of guys that are over there. So even though, yes, Cody didn't beat Naito, Okada – can come over to America and become an even bigger star, and it works for both AEW, elevates their title, and also elevates Okada simultaneously. And he is the perfect transition point between Mox and Okada to dropping that title to say, I don't know, maybe a Kenny Omega, maybe a Chris Jericho, who knows? But he is the bridge for the forbidden door between these two companies. New Japan Pro Wrestling wins. Okada Mox wrestle for 45 minutes. Mm. And he kicks out of the fucking Death Rider. Nice. And Okada ends up beating John Moxley in a 
I don't know, let's say six and a quarter star match. <laughs> oh, giving okay. giving John Moxley the best match of his entire career, and it gives Mox renewed life in New Japan Pro Wrestling, a new reason to fight over there. It gives him something to uh, a goal to attain in AEW. Okada is risen to new levels, even though he doesn't have the IWGP title, and um, it helps both companies because he is the staple mate for both companies at this point. And um, yeah, I don't see him holding that title for very long, but yeah, for the time being, New Japan Pro Wrestling six to five, they win the uh, World Cup of Professional Wrestling. Confetti rains from the from the you know ceiling. All of the New Japan Pro Wrestling roster come out. Bad guys, good guys, Suzuki, <laughs> Jay White, everybody. They hoist fucking Okada up in the air. And when the match is over and Okada's let down, Kenny Omega walks out. Mm. And he cuts the promo of a fucking lifetime on Okada. And they shake hands and agree to fight at some future AEW pay-per-view in Baltimore or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like it, man. Well, what what are your bookings there? So I didn't really think too much about the the post-match angle, but I did uh you know having Okada just being the AEW champion and then you got Cody as a double champion there, so just kind of you know a little interesting there with the opposite company guys with the opposite company's championships and kind of what the future just kind of leaving a question like all right well who is Okada going to defend the AEW title with and Okada you know being on weekly dynamites and then Cody kind of going over to New Japan doing a New Japan tour and having to defend the title there well you know I gotta tell you Jeremy I didn't like doing this uh you know, this whole fantasy booking thing here. But now that we've got it all on paper, I think we both deliver pretty good. Yeah, I mean, the last half of our cards are exactly the same. <laughs> the last four matches are identical. The exact same <laughs> matches in the exact same order. It's crazy. I got to tell you, when I reached out to, to uh, I reached out to Jeremy, or I'm sorry, I reached out, to, actually, I know, I reached out to Jeremy, James, and Rich for help because I was like struggling with this shit. <laughs> But I was like, I, I reached out to Jeremy and then I realized I didn't want to give my shit away and then it was too hard. <laughs> but when I reached out to, to uh, Rich, Rich was like, man, fuck that. Break up Kenny and Hangman. Hey, have Kenny win the IWG title. <laughs> Do Naito and Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's real. That actually happened like just a couple hours ago. That's hilarious. But man, I love our cards. Yeah, the, the one regret from my card is not having a a sing a Shingo never title match. My one regret is I don't know, maybe not having Private Party on the card. But I mean, there was a lot of guys I wanted to have Dustin on the card. Like yeah. I don't know, there's a lot of talent. In yeah, I mean, I, it's, I, it, it's tough. I left Suzuki off. I don't have uh, Jurassic Express. I don't have MJF. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people that didn't get on I wanted to do a never six-man title uh, gauntlet, but I realized I wouldn't get enough guys on the card if I did that instead of the Rambo. Mm -hmm. And AEW just has so many more trios than New Japan does. Yeah. And there's no reason that they shouldn't have a six-man tag team title over there at this point. 
Right, yeah. There should definitely be a trios title at some point. Man, booking this card makes me think, like, my God, they should do this once a year. Yeah. It reminds me of early, like, Wrestle Kingdoms when, like, Noah, All Japan, and, and uh, New Japan worked together for those Wrestle Kingdom cards. And I'm like, fuck, they should just do this shit. It's awesome. Yeah. So that is our fancy booking. Um, tune into when, when I was thinking of this, I was when I would think of like a card and I would think, I don't know, this doesn't look so good on paper. I would think of like what the graphic would look like. Mm. And so when I was thinking of like Hiromu, I was like, Hiromu Sammy Jung, you know, Jungle, uh, what's it, what's his name? Jungle Boy. Yeah. Jungle Boy and Robert Eagles. I was like, that doesn't sound so good. But then I thought of like what the graphic would look like. Hiromu Takahashi. Sammy Guevara, <laughs> Jungle Boy, Robbie Eagles, and the four of them, like, doo, 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 doo. I was like, oh, shit, that would be fucking awesome. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I could probably get hype. Like, even Naito Cody, I was like, that doesn't sound so great. But, like, when they put the video package together and the entrances and the fucking and everything, yeah, it'd probably fucking rule. Yeah. And I, I'm the booker, so I'm going to tell them out there to go out there and work. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So I think we both did pretty good. I think uh, Amy and um, Floyd have a lot like to fucking live up to because, unfortunately, we've already laid our cards out. So yes, they might be able to quote unquote overcome it, but they're gonna have a hard time. Now that they can't copy it at this point, right. you and I ended up with the same cards. Now that they're, they're if if they do Okada mocks, they're gonna have to be like, oh well, I listened to the show. Right. They might as well not listen to the shit so that they can come up with something organic. I don't know. Right. So, yeah, we'll see. So, listen to All Things Elite this Saturday right here on the network so you can hear Floyd and Amy's cards, and then we'll put all four cards out for voting. Listen, if you guys don't listen to All Things Elite, it's the best um, AEW podcast that's out there. Better than everything Elite. Better than the AEW official podcast. Floyd puts his fucking heart and soul into this shit. So does Amy. So does everybody that's involved with it. So does um, why do I forget names? Tiffany. Tiffany. My God. Yeah, Tiffany's the fucking heart and soul of AW, as as you know, spoken by Cody and the rest of the the company there. So, yeah, definitely give that that show a listen. All right. Well, there's only one thing left: the recommended match of the week. So, Hit the music. <laughs> uh, last week you um, you had me watch Ibata versus Tanahashi, um, and it was incredible, uh, dude. It was just first thing I wrote down was strong style. Just um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Shibata just heavy strikes and kind of forcing Tanahashi to fight his style. They had a, a brawl to a near nineteen count on the outside, which was awesome. Um, yes, Shibata was totally pushing the pace this whole match, kind of forcing Tanahashi to wrestle his match. Um, then eventually Tanahashi came back with obviously the, the series of dragon screws. He used the dragon screws to kind of slow down um, Shibata. Uh, there was a great spot where Tanahashi gets Shibata down and goes for the high fly flow. The crowd is so hyped. I think, oh, this is it. He's going to hit the high fly flow. And Shibata gets his knees up at the last second, and the crowd gasps. When um, Shibata um, gets his knees up and Tanahashi hits the high fly flow, uh, well hits hits his knees and then um, 
Oh, it was an awesome spinning back fist from Shibata towards the end of the yes. match. Um, but this, then, this match was just so incredible because of the story of like the fact that like Shibata left New Japan Pro Wrestling in the dark days and Tanahashi raised it to its like you know to the prominent levels and Shibata only came back when business was better. And the fact of the matter that like Shibata had ties to New Japan dating back to his father who was on the inaugural New Japan Pro Wrestling show. So he grew up around New Japan Pro Wrestling. So like he's as New Japan as as New Japan can get, but he left them in their most dire times to go fight and wrestle in other places, you know, at their worst dire time. And Tanahashi was the patron saint of New Japan Pro Wrestling. So like when he came when Shibata came back, Tanahashi had no respect for him. And he wrote about it in his book prior to that match. So, like, there was real-life heat between these two guys. And that bleeds through during the match. I mean, it's they had another match prior to this, but this is the most emotional match of their uh, of their career. And the post-match is just... I mean, Jeremy, you can tell them about it. Yeah, so then they had the uh, the big handshake, and the crowd pops you as uh, Tanahashi and Ibushi uh, finally shake hands. Um, it was a huge moment there, and you know Shibata finally earning, uh, or Shibata finally or, or Tanahashi, yeah, yeah, earned Shibata's respect, or Shibata earned Tanahashi's respect, and they shake hands, and uh, it's a big moment. Yeah, it's a big moment in Shibata's career. I, I love this match. It, it was one of the uh, runners up for a match of the year that year in the Wrestling Observer uh, newsletter. But this match just fucking rules. If you haven't seen it, you got to go out of your way to watch it. What would you give it? Uh, like anywhere between like four and a half, four point seven five. I'd go four and three quarters in that shit. Yeah, it was great. All right, nice man. So, what is my recommended match of the week? So, the recommended match of the week this week is the phenomenal AJ Styles versus Machine Gun Carl Anderson from G One Climax twenty four August fourth twenty fourteen. Come on, that shit can't be good. You mean two guys from the OC from WWE facing each other? There's no way that shit's good. <laughs> uh, well, that that's the match. You're gonna have to watch it and see. We will let you folks, uh, you li- ladies and gentlemen, know just how good this match is next week. So yeah, so definitely check that out. And it's just so great, you know, just seeing both these guys, you know, actually work and you know be in their prime and. Um, actually try so <laughs> also we have special uh guests that might be coming on the show quote unquote and yeah. some special things planned for you for the next few weeks so don't think that just because covid 19 is happening and there's uh no live matches and and shows taking place that we don't have things planned for you we've got shit planned for the next few months believe that <laughs> believe in the shield I don't, I don't know about months but definitely weeks uh, we got some stuff. <laughs> we got some stuff planned, and yeah, I'm really yeah. Hopefully next week everything works out with something really special that we have planned for you guys. And so that's going to wrap things up for this week. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com/donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media on Twitter. The show is at ki strong style. I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. You can also follow us at Social Suplex. On Facebook, we're facebook.com slash social suplex. 
joins in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Instagram, we are at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I am the pro black guy, and Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Also, make sure you check out our Discord server. You can look up Social Suplex on Discord. You can find us there. You can check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network on Sundays. We have One Nation Radio hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd on Wednesdays, the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Actually, well, they're still on hiatus right now, so hopefully those guys will be back soon. Every other Wednesday, we have our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling, growing men, watch this shit. Hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryan. On Fridays, we have Get in the Ring with Danny and Beast Mike. And on Saturdays, we have All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson Jr., Amy O., and Tiffany. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Vote my uh, card the best. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.